Everybody read? Yeah. Yep. All right, Justin. I want you to sing me a song that is about mazes and monsters. <laughs> Whoa. Not both, not one, but both. It has to have both. It has to be both. If if you want uh. it to just be one, I'll I'll give you that. It can be just one, but it has to be mazes only, not monsters. Oh my gosh. Oh, I need something about a monster. Is there even a song about a maze? Um, maybe. Oh my God, what's that song? What's that? I think it's Imagine Dragons. Um, oh, I'm a monster, a monster, and it just getting stronger. Something like that. I know they have a song called Monster. Yeah, I know they do. But that's not about mazes or mazes and monsters. Like I said, if you're going to do one, it has to be about mazes. Because there's plenty of songs oh. about monsters. Man. So it has to be mazes and monsters or just mazes. I'll give you a second try. Uh, a maze. A song about a maze. God, I know songs about puzzles, like the Carmen San Diego theme, but that's not a maze. You got me, man. I, I don't know a maze song. All right, Heather, what about you? That's a tough one. Like, the song I thought of isn't actually about a maze, but it reminds me of a maze. Because it's that, it's that Sheryl Crow song. Every day is a winding road. That's the only thing I could think of that was even close. Nope. It doesn't count? Nope. <sighs> this is a hard one. This is, for some reason, this one's more tough than the others. The even song, though there's two options. The song I was looking for is Into the Labyrinth from the Labyrinth soundtrack. Would have accepted that one. See, I, don't I don't even know, know if it has song. lyrics. It could have just been an orchestral <laughs> song. I have no idea. I don't know what the song is. I just know it's a song about a maze. It's in the title. Therefore, it would count. Mm. Hmm. I also would have lit you. There was one other song that would have counted just because it would be a, like a little swarmy response to me. And that would have been Amazing Grace. I would have counted that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. But that's it. What about maize corn? Like a corn maze. Like Jimmy Crack corn and I don't care. Like yeah, but maize, that's corn, corn. not maize. Uh. So... No, that wouldn't have counted. Nah. But you know what would have not also counted? Is the song Amazing by Aerosmith. That would not have accounted. Amazing Grace would have, but Amazing by Aerosmith would not have. Oh. Hmm. Why? <laughs> Just because. Oh, okay. It puts more pressure on you, that's why. I see. I'm just severely disappointed in both of you. That was tough. It was a tough one. Just so disappointed. Well, I guess we're already on to the other part. Here's the music. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are going to kind of have like a two-for episode for you. Like it's a little multi-part, it's multi-segmented, but it all kind of ties together. So as like a movie review, we are going to talk about the made-for-TV movie from CBS from 1982 called Mazes and Monsters, which is, yes, a thinly-veiled reference to Dungeons and Dragons. But... We're going to talk about that movie because then we're going to do like we typically do. We're going to go spoiler free recommendations and scores and spoilers. Trust me, 
a lot of that's going to go fairly quick because spoiler alert, it's a very bad movie. And then we will also then tie that into some of the stuff that's been going on on uh, nowadays when it comes to a lot of things. So like monsters and mazes very directly ties into uh, from the seventies the and eighties with the satanic panic, which also kind of directly ties into a lot of nowadays with stuff with QAnon and those same types of beliefs and conspiracy theories with things, but also how that ties into like the riots that at the Capitol from a few weeks ago. And also, I mean, we might also talk about other iterations of this same mentality all the way from like the Salem witch trials, maybe talk about the comics code a little bit. We're going to really kind of just go into a, a lot of different things with some of that stuff, but we want to kind of keep it still you know, referencing something with cinema, which is why we're also talking about this movie, which does have a direct correlation to that stuff. Um, so with that, like I said, Monsters and Mazes, uh, spoiler-free thoughts, and Heather, since you are the big Tom Hanks fan, like you're the number one Tom Hanks fan of us on the podcast, not saying me and Justin aren't fans of him, I'm just saying you are the number one fan of him on this podcast, and he's the star of this movie. So you go first. I'll accept that. Um, yeah, this is, it's definitely one of the few Tom Hanks movies that I had not seen before. And I sadly now know why <laughs> I hadn't seen it before. Um, it is terrible. Um, there's no two ways about it. Like, it's just a really, really bad movie. Like, I get that it's made in the early 80s. And so, there's just not going to be really good quality of film. Um, and you said it was made for TV, right? It's a made for TV movie. Yes. It's the, that just, yeah, it's the quality of it's terrible. Like just, I, I honestly, there's just not, not a lot that I could say I did like about this movie. And, and that, I mean, I extra dislike this movie for the fact that it made me not like Tom Hanks in a movie. Like, that is a serious problem. <laughs> that is a serious offense for me if I do not think Tom Hanks does a good job in a movie. And I mean, and this is definitely early Tom Hanks. And so it's uh, before he was a big deal. And I think his first movie, right? Like his first major role this is or whatever. This considered so. his first leading role in a movie. Yeah. So... It's, I mean, I guess I'm just glad that people didn't base his acting abilities only on this movie because even, I, even like the parts that like the type of performances that he can usually do it there, none of that was seen in this like at all. So it was just very sad and upsetting that I didn't even like a Tom Hanks performance in a movie. So yeah. And I just think like the, I think that the, you know, I know we'll get into it, but like the story behind what this movie was originally about, I think is a much more interesting story than what this movie was. And I think um, that it just was very lacking. Like it just, it didn't have any real sense of adventure to it for what it was supposed to be. It was... Um, boring honestly is the word for it it's just very hard to get through this movie and the dialogue between characters is just very flat and very cardboard you know very stale and there it's just 
it, it's just not good. It's not good writing. It's not good anything. Um, it's very unfortunate, but that is my, that's my spoiler free take on it. Go Justin. Well, imagine if I told you that there was a cautionary tale starring Tom Hanks and what the movie is, is just a stark commentary on how depression, anxiety, angst, and other feelings of insecurity that you might have when mixed with the cocktail of role playing and fantasy can sometimes distort your reality and lead to disastrous results. Imagine if I told you that. And then I told you that I was lying and that there's a movie that proposes those things. And then it is none of those things. But you can keep Tom Hanks. Well, that's what this is. (laughs) This Mazes and Monsters movie (laughs) tries to do these things. It tries to deliver that. But it just winds up just being this very shallow finger pointing affair trying to say that these role playing games are bad um and this is the and this is what can happen to somebody who is consumed by them but the funny thing about it is that the movie you never get the sense that it's really saying that either like it 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 doesn't know what it wants to do you know for some of it it just wants to be a you know a student a college young adult movie and it wants to have romance and things like that then it also wants to have um the 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 role playing aspect of it but you could tell that this was made by somebody who probably has never really played this game or didn't really understand it or anything like that and it didn't seem like they really understood students either this all just feels so much like someone speculating and writing about something that or trying to make a movie about something that they really knew nothing about. And then they didn't have the consultants, the extra set of eyes to kind of advise and tell them, okay, this is what students think. This is how they actually talk. This is how they actually interact. This is how this game is actually played. Like, I just wonder if any of these things were gone over when they made this movie. And I I don't think that they were. So ultimately what you wind up getting is just like Heather said, it's a bunch of bad acting. It's a bunch of scenes that I think they believe they, I truly believe they thought they had a story here, but you just don't ever feel like they had anything. And some of the scenes are just downright. I mean, they're damn near unwatchable when you see some of the acting occurring or some of the things that are happening and you don't understand why people are behaving this way or why they're not just using common sense, logical thought in some situations. And ultimately, yeah, you just wind up. This is the kind of movie that takes your breath away, but it's not in any kind of awe or excitement or or you're on the edge of your seat. It's just that kind of breath where it's just late laboring breaths and its size and you just want it to end and go away and then finally when it does you're just so happy to just you're just happy that it's over and i mean 
And if the point of this was to make me feel like one of the students depressed, um, insecure about why I didn't, I don't make better choices and kind of blending it, wanting any kind of fantasy to take me from the reality of watching this movie, then they accomplished it. So yeah, there's my opinion for what it's worth. If you want any sense of how this movie is going to portray Dungeons and Dragons, you need to wait no longer than the first 30 seconds of the movie when it opens up with like cops looking for somebody and they're like, oh yeah, he plays Monsters and Mazes. You know the game? Yeah, my kids play it. And they're like, yeah, it's some bad shit. I mean, they don't say shit, but they're just like, yep, it's some bad stuff. Can't be doing that. It's all its fault. And you're like, oh, all right. That's the tone of this movie. Just right off the fucking bat. And <laughs> it's sadly based on true story. It really is. It's based on a true story um, of something that it's called something like the steam tunnel incidents um, from the University of Michigan. And with that, what happened was these kids found some steam tunnels down below University of Michigan and they go down there and play D&D. And one of those kids ends up killing themselves. And so instead of blaming depression or anything like that, they instantly blame D&D for this kid killing himself and that it has to do with the game and that it corrupted him and opened him to all this evil. And that's why he did that. And yeah, so the mother of that student went on to be one of the big figures um, when it came to the anti-D&D satanic panic in the 70s. And also with that, uh, she also started this organization called BAD. And oh, I can't remember what the B stands for, but it's something against D&D. It might be believers. It might be believers against D&D or something like that. Either way, yeah, one of those fucking organizations. And so with that, like, that's where a lot of that whole stuff started is it was instantly blamed on this game. And so this book was written by this person who just kind of read an article about it and wrote a book about it called Mazes and Monsters and was supposed to be like a fictionalized account, but it's completely ripped off of that. And it's completely ripped off of the the initial headlines of it all. Like later, a lot of people that were associated with that case weren't blaming the game. Like I said, the mother was, but like police and psychologists and all these other people were not blaming the game for it. They were blaming the kid being depressed on it, you know, but the original stuff, a lot of the reporting was there was D and D D and D D and D. And so that's, that's where the inspiration for that book came from, which then also became the inspiration for this movie because it was a very like sizzling topic back then. And so, you know, not being one to, you know, miss an opportunity to make a shitty movie and, and preach to people about it. You know, CBS jumped on it, made this shitty ass movie for it. Um, and it really goes to show you the difference between movies even then and now, you know, even movies back then had a better quality than a made for TV movie made for TV movies were shot with TV equipment, not film equipment. And so what happens is you get a very shitty looking movie. It's very blurry, very dark. 
for as much as this like movie takes place in like dimly lit situations, they did not think that through because it is so hard to see a ton of scenes in this movie. They are yeah. so dimly yeah. lit and it's so horribly shot that you struggle to know what the fuck's going on. I had a hard time figuring out what characters were who based on their looks alone because they were all blurry. And so then on top of it, it's it looks like shit. The acting is shit. The story is shit. The message behind it is shit. There is not a single redeeming quality about this movie other than the fact that Tom Hanks somehow his career survived it. That is the only positive <laughs> thing about this movie is Tom Hanks was able to survive this movie with his career still intact. <laughs> I mean, if anybody wanted to come with a conspiracy now that Tom Hanks actually died after making this movie and he was replaced with a clone who did the rest of his career, I might actually believe that because I find it very hard to believe the same man that did a near perfect Mr. Rogers is the <laughs> same actor in this movie. Right. This motherfucker says hello, and I don't even think he meant it. That's how bad the acting is in this movie. I don't even think he actually meant a welcome to another human being. It is garbage. <laughs> and on top of that, what the fuck is this with D&D? Like, those motherfuckers didn't even look at a game of D&D before they wrote this movie and shit. <laughs> like, come the fuck on. Garbage. Anyway, that's all I'm saying. Recommendations and scores. Justin, go. No. <laughs> Please don't watch it. Please. Like he said, Tom Hanks' career barely survived. And like you said, it's a wonder that that he was even able to recover from this. But this is like that Tom Hanks movie you do not need to see. I mean, please don't watch it. Please, please. I don't even care. Normally, I make special like reservations for movies like this for like if you're like one of those completionist people and you got to see every time. Hanks. Nah, man, not you either. Don't do it, man. Don't do <laughs> it. Man, woman or child out there that calls yourself a center fan. Don't do it. Not this one. Not this one, buddy. So just don't. And that's going to be my score. D-O-N apostrophe T out of 100. Don't, 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 don't watch it. Don't. Just don't. I might need to up my game if that's how Justin's bringing scores in this one. Heather, go. <laughs> yeah, it's, um. I mean, because I, I honestly was going to say kind of what Justin did about, like, the only way I would recommend it is if you're just like, I have to see in my lifetime every Tom Hanks movie ever made. But... Again, yeah, Jason makes a fair point. Like, it's not worth it. <laughs> just just move past it. Just pretend like you didn't know it existed <laughs> as a movie. And, um, you know, just don't do it. It's There's just, there's nothing redeeming about it. There's nothing good about it except the interesting story they could have made based off of what, you know, this was actually based off of. So, yeah, don't do it. My score is going to be three times of hearing the exact same terrible, slow, boring song throughout the entire movie out of 100. Oh, God, that music. Oh, It fit none with anything else going on in this movie. 
<laughs> it did. All right. Um, uh, spoilers. Dang, nothing, huh? Wait, did okay, you? Spoilers. Oh, you got nothing, huh? <laughs> yeah, nothing. It's a nothing. That's how you stepped it up. Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> yes, yeah, spoilers then. All right, spoilers. <laughs> um, now I tend to find myself, or at least think of myself, as a very sex positive person. I I don't agree with slut shaming. I think you know people's hearts do what they want. You know, I think it's it's reasonable when somebody. You know, if somebody falls in love and they they want to be with somebody else, I don't necessarily think there's a waiting period, any of that stuff. I think it's fair to have or unfair to have those expectations on people. But holy fuck, the main girl of this movie goes from Tom Hanks to his friend so fucking fast. Oh, my God. It is insane. It felt like 30 seconds. (laughs) It did. It felt like they broke up. And she just went and got in his car and he's like, I, I, I don't even know what the fuck he was saying. Like he was saying something about being some sort of guy. I don't even remember what kind of guy he wanted to be. And then that girl's like, oh, you are that guy. Let's fuck. I mean, it was <laughs> insane, especially when they're in like in the middle of like their friend being disappeared and they're just like, nah, fuck that. We's gonna fuck. And I don't know. It's just, like I said, stuff like that doesn't typically bother me. It's just the way they put it in this movie made it so weird. And it also felt to me the reason why they did that was to slut shame her to be like, yep, that's the type of girl that would play D&D, a harlot. Like, that's why I think I'm disturbed by it in this movie is because I know (laughs) what their intention was. Their intention was to like show that this woman is less than because she plays a role playing game and it's just dirty. I mean, I think you're right. I did not look at it that way. But now that you say that, what other reason was there? Because what what it didn't drive the plot in any way at all. That could have not happened and you would have literally got the same thing. They would have still been looking for him because they they all knew him. They were all players of the game. It, you didn't need that element at all. So, I mean, I can't refute what you're saying right now about that. Dude, because it all is to set up them being interrogated by the police and her looking suspicious. So the cop could be like, Oh, yeah. So I see you went from this guy to that guy. Huh? What's that about? Is that about monsters and mazes? Or I'm sorry, (laughs) mazes and monsters. Is that why you did it? Like, that's the type of shit they're doing in this movie. Also. Yeah. There's a fucking bedroom that has tile walls and tile floors in this movie. If there is any reason alone to not watch this movie... It's that. But also, <laughs> that's probably the best thing in this movie. Oh, if I'm being real, because nothing screams 80s and mountains of cocaine than a completely tile room. Just saying that to me was the most authentic thing in this movie is some bored interior designer in the 80s that spends 99 percent of their money on cocaine would totally design that room. And I felt that. That felt real to me. 
nothing else in this movie did. I actually had a hard time believing that this movie wasn't actually just really well done, like animation, because I refused to believe that actual people were in this movie. <laughs> but that room, nope. That was the most authentically 80s thing in this movie. And I was okay with that. As bad as it was, I was still okay with it because at least that was real. I could see that. Nothing else. I mean, these people like want to up the game of Dungeons and Dragons. So they're like, yeah, we're going to go play it in a real life cave then. Do you know what people that play D&D don't want to do that? Just no. True. Yeah, that's true. Because like that takes away some of the elements of D&D. You, you actually lose some of the fantastical elements of it. There are groups of people that do stuff like that. They are called LARPers. And I'm not sitting here saying that there are people that don't do both or wouldn't want to do a both. Like a really big, like extreme Dungeons and Dragons where like you're in a big setup, like a, you know, like a big room, like a big dungeon. And you actually have to go through it. And somebody's on a microphone watching you through cameras. I'm sure there are people that want to do something like that. And I would actually see some merits in that. But you know what people that are just sitting in a college dorm not wanting to do that because it's dumb. And this movie makes it seem like that is the only logical step. And then once you do that, you can no longer tell the difference between reality and a game. Because that's the other problem with this movie is it takes something that is actually about mental illness and once again wants to blame it on something else. Like I understand this was like almost 40 years ago. And people wanting to accept mental illness, especially back then, was very, like, you know, not likely. The sad thing about it is, though, is that you would think now in 2021, we'd be able to understand the difference. And people would go, hey, there's a difference between mental illness and people playing a game or taking a game too far. Like, that's not the game's fault. It can just be mental illness that happens and that mental illness just happens. It's not necessarily someone's fault. Now, there are things that cause mental illness that are somebody's fault, but I'm just saying in general, it's not a blame thing. It's not a stigma thing or shouldn't be anymore. But the problem is that there are people still nowadays that still think the same thing. The mentality towards something like Dungeons and Dragons and its ability to summon the devil and those aspects of things is still a very common sentiment nowadays. And it's something that still hasn't outgrown. And the mentalities of, that they portray of people that play it in this movie are still in a lot of ways the ones that are universally accepted now. And that's sad that this movie in some ways is still actually relevant to people's mindsets today. Damn near 40 years later. And that sucks. <laughs> like it sucks that that is actually still what happens. But this movie... For its credit, it still shows that today. Outside of that, though, I've got nothing else I want to say about this fucking movie because fuck this movie. It's terrible. Like, fuck this movie. When do you go? I was actually wondering if, because I know a big, like, point in this movie is the fact that Tom Hanks' character was... I guess, kicked out of the whatever school he was in before. Does it ever explain why? And I missed that. I think it's because he was depressed because of what, is, what happened with his brother. Okay. Yeah. So, I yeah. I wasn't sure because I knew it happened, but I couldn't remember if they said why. But um, Which is, like, so weird about this movie. I'm sorry. 
but like this movie really almost has the it almost has it right because it's like showing that there's mental illness in this family but it's like they want to blame it on everything else like this movie almost has it that like mental illness is there that's the problem but it doesn't it just wants it just brings it up when it's convenient sorry that just reminded me of that yeah no that's true though I mean, yeah, and like the story about his brother, like that is, that was probably the most, I guess, maybe interesting little storyline that they had going with this. Um, But I feel like even just the way that he told the story about his brother was like, (laughs) very, like, lacking, like, he didn't even tell it in a good way. It didn't even feel like a natural way. Like, he was just like, my brother went missing. And then he's like, he asked me for money and then the next day he left or whatever it was. And it's just like the way I'm like, well, then like, <laughs> I feel like he should have told it in a different order because it was just like, oh, well, if he asked you for money and then, you know, it was just a very odd way that he told the story. I was like, you should have you like you said it backwards. Like, I feel like anyways, but yeah, I think um, it it just was. The thing that really sticks with me about how bad the acting is in this is just when Tom Hanks is on the phone, the payphone, and he's like calling the girl and he's like crying because <laughs> he's like, I don't know where I am. And you're just like, what is this scene? My and why? part of that is when he's like, I'm in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like, Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh it was just the weirdest thing like and then again he did (laughs) yeah and like she wasn't even really like freaked out by that like i don't know if i want to you know i I don't know she was just kind of like oh okay well where are you like just really didn't seem super concerned about that part of it but um and then he did it again at the end of the movie like when they find him and he's you know, about to jump off and then they keep him from, from doing that. But he's just like, why don't I know why I'm here? And like, whatever he said. And it just seems very much like he is really forcing that emotion. And it's just like, this is not, something is very off about this. It was just very ridiculous. Um, yeah. And then even, I don't know, like that ending was very, sad like just and the fact that his they they go to see him you know he he doesn't come back for the semester after what happens and so they go to see him at his mom's and his mom is straight up just like oh yeah he's doing great he's he's fine he's he's much better go on back and hang out with him when he's clearly not better like he is still trapped in this mindset of the game is real and he's in the game you know and it's just it, yeah, it was uh I I just feel like their reaction to that too was it, it, they should have done that differently. Like they they should instead of just being like, "Uh, he's still in it. That sucks." Like just that like you want to feel that moment of like they realize that this is a completely lost cause. Like I think that they were really trying to do that, but none of the emotion came across when they were trying to do that. Um it's like they just fall a little bit short of whatever emotion they're trying to convey in any given scene. Um, it's just really, and you're right. I was thinking that too about how, like how quickly that girl moved on from him to the friend. 
and how the friend just always has to be like, you know, people just don't, they don't take me seriously because I'm good looking. It's like, I can't find a real relationship because all I'm good at is making out. Like, what? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Like, what? It was just the weirdest, like, humble brag that I've ever heard. Like he's just like, I can't find a real relationship because everyone just knows that I'm a good person that makes out, you know, like, what are you even? Yeah, it was just a very weird, like storyline for that guy to be having. But yeah, they just really put a lot of emphasis on, oh, he's good looking, but he's also a smart nerd. And I really thought in that scene that he was going to be like, yeah, and I can't find a girlfriend because I just fucked too good. They're just like so <laughs> upset after they fuck me that it's just the best thing ever that they just don't want to be with me anymore because they can't have the best sex of their life every time. <laughs> it's pretty much I would not put it past his character to have said that like for real. Like it was just short of that pretty much. Yeah, it was just in, it was so ridiculous and like. They just really played into the whole like, oh, he's good looking though, but he's also smart and nerdy. Oh, like when that's just like, okay, that's an everyday thing. Like people are just crazy about that. But back then, I guess it wasn't really, you know, the the norm. So it, it was just a very weird like conversation. And I, f- I felt like he kept trying to like steer whatever was happening around that like you know it was just very odd but um yeah i just wanted to discuss those certain things that really stuck out to me as like exceptionally bad so um that's that's pretty much all i have for it to add to what you said because it's it's more just like these are the highlights of a consistent terribleness throughout the movie like those are just the the high points of the ridiculous in this movie. So, well, like, yeah, and I'm, oh, go well, ahead. I was just going to say, to, to combo off what you were saying, though, Heather, is it's like, also the weird thing I thought about whenever they got, like, where then they started their relationship was the fact that it's like they were acting like they had just kind of met in a way, you know, not like they had been friends for a while because they knew each other before Tom Hanks showed up anyway. Like, yeah, they were acting like they'd just never been around each other. Right. And then all of a sudden now she's realizing all he is. Like, no, we've been around each other. <laughs> this wasn't a new thing. Right. Yep. No, that's a that's a good point. And like, I just think about that scene that Heather was talking about with Tom Hanks in New York. And I'm also just trying to imagine Tom Hanks reading this script or getting direction from the director on this and trying to act out these scenes with some sort of believability. So I'm just trying to picture somebody trying to direct him through this scene on the phone. It's like, okay, so yeah, you're going to be distraught. You're going to be crying. Okay. So I'm crying because what I've snapped out of it and I realized that I'm lost and I can't find where I am. Uh, yes. And then, but you're still also think you're in the game and you're also confused about where you are i am well this line right here says that the character knows that he's in new york oh well well yeah you're confused but you know you're in new york so am i confused or am i not confused do i think it's a game or do it's not a game and it just seemed like whatever the movie needed he just was in those scenes sometimes he would just know where he was and would 
recognize his friends and people and would be able to talk. And then other times he would think he was in this game and there was just no, I mean, it was just so confusing. So I'm trying to imagine him trying to act out these scenes. And it's almost like, you know, of course he couldn't bring any levity or any kind of real humanity to the scenes because they were confusing probably to him too. So <laughs> I just imagine if I could get Tom Banks in a room, that's what he would probably say. Like, man, if he even remembers this, he'll probably just say, man, I don't remember making that shit. But he, or he might just go, or I think he would say, I was totally confused the whole time, dude. Like I didn't. Honestly, they were telling me to do things and I just did the best job that I could with what I was given. But I didn't understand the character. I didn't understand anything. And I don't know, man. It just seems like a lot of scenes played out like that, just like what you're talking about with our with our female character. Oh, yeah. You're just going to suddenly realize that you should have gave this guy a chance. And I think she even said in that scene, you know, I just never thought that you have these qualities because you're so attractive and i'm just like does anybody like who talks like this who just just who so you just couldn't get into any uh anything that any of the characters were saying and and i and and like you were saying earlier sterling you could see the ingredients to kind of do something here or say something actually important you know what if they had taken the side of they start off with the cop saying that this is about mazes and monsters and it starts off and it seems like you know all these preachy parent characters talking about this game and this and that and you you know you play this game and it's dangerous and it makes you do things and if that was the surface of it and then as it begins to peel the layers of these characters and you find out, no, really what these characters have in common is not just the game. They're all insecure. Their mental health is all kind of compromised in a way. You know, she thinks she'll never find a good guy and be happy. And she feels like she's um subconscious because she feels like something is wrong with me. I can't keep a man. This person, he had his brother pass away. And he's insecure about that. And he feels depression from that because, because, you know, or his brother left or whatever the case may be. He feels like he lost a family member and he lost that connection. So he's depressed from that. And then you've got another person who um, he can't get it together. And he's starting to be subconscious about his looks because even though he's attractive, he can't seem to keep anybody. And, you know, the, the way he looks is not really who he is. And he's sick of being labeled. And that makes him insecure. If it had been these people were these unstable people and they were playing the game as an escape, but not really looking at their problems. We're not really examining these problems. And that's when things go awry because these are people that don't really understand how to deal with their feelings. And regardless of if it's a game, if it's a drug, if it's food, whatever the outlet is for you to escape your problems, you are still not handling your problems. If there was some sort of way 
to kind of have that in this. And you, and like you guys said, the ingredients were there. We had all these characters with this common link that their mental health was suffering in some sort of way. And it's just sad that we didn't have a better movie to really attack those issues because it was too busy trying to act like this really happens to people. Like people really play this game and think they're in it and stab people on the streets of New York with a fake knife that somehow goes through someone. I I mean, what was that? I mean, how was that a? a, 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 How was it suddenly a real knife? Anyway, uh, yeah, but well, that is in the movie because it is actually a real knife in real life. He pictures it as his sword from the game. Okay, so it was an actual. See, I thought it was like a prop. I thought well, he got those costumes and all that stuff from his uh performance art class. When it is, but I'm saying in the in that scene where he stabs the guy in the alley. When it shows Tom Hanks, when it shows him in the camera, it's a real knife. He pulls out a real pocket knife. But then when it goes to like first person view to show the monster and him stabbing the monster, that's when it shows the prop knife from the costume. Ah, okay. So he actually actually had He pulled out a real knife. Yes. Okay. He had a pocket knife. Got you. Okay. I see what you're saying. Maybe I didn't quite catch that oh i don't blame you okay at all yeah (laughs) yeah it's all a bunch of garbage (laughs) like even knowing he had a real knife doesn't make that scene any better yeah you're right it it, uh sure didn't and the guy just kind of got up confused like man damn i got stabbed wow what a crazy story this is gonna be i mean he just (laughs) didn't seem like distressed at all that he got stabbed but anyway <laughs> that's neither here or there maybe he's a D player too i'm sure that's why he wanted to commit crimes i'm pretty sure somehow yes. he played a rogue back to he played a rogue in D, and that's why he was roguing <laughs> it up in real life just thieving <laughs> yep because that is what makes all these people bad so yeah man and then when you get to the end of that like heather said it just falls incredibly flat and you know they wanted to have this thing of oh man he's trapped in this game forever he'll never be right and then they're like well we played one last final game with him and stuff like that and they wanted this sad kind of reflective ending like oh man dude i better stop playing D and renounce my life man you know like and what i've been doing up to this point and really change and turn it around and make something of myself and it feels like they really thought they nailed that feeling but really all you did was just shake your head and go my god this was terrible like this was so stupid he went all the way to new york he got on top of that tower did jump they looks like they saved him and now he's just at home still thinking that his life is in this bullshit or whatever. So it was just terrible, man. And like, like you guys said, you, you saw the ingredients here to tell a better, more sensible story that probably actually could have reached out to some people and helped someone, but we weren't interested in that story. So this is what we got. Well, two other problems I had with this movie that nobody brought up yet. So I'll bring them up. Why is it that, when Tom Hanks' character is like, man, I need to move in with this chick, his solution is, 
I'm going to get a double bed. Have you ever been with another person on a <laughs> double bed? It's the worst thing in the world. But that was his solution. Was like, man, I got this double. We just need to live A together. double with one person isn't great. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a double bed in one person still feels kind of tight. And he's just like, double bed. Now we can be together and fuck all the time on all this mattress. Like, come on, bro. That is not how it works. I'm just saying. Like, I don't know a single woman ever that would be like, man, double bed. I need to be with this guy. Marry up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't handle anything less than a queen at this point in my life. Even by myself. Like I say that I sleep on a couch. But I'm just saying, if I was if it was a bed, it queen minimum. And that's just for me. I'm not even getting into anything else yet. <laughs> and yeah, he's just like double. And then she's like wondering, she just thinks his mental health is okay. Come on. This motherfucker was like, let's move in. I got a double bed. <laughs> and she's like not questioning him at that point. Come on. Get it together, movie. Other point. Yeah. Why did Tom Hanks's mom not tell his friends that he was still mentally unwell and thinking he was in the game when they came to visit him at the end of the movie? They had a full yeah. on conversation with her and she did not think, oh, maybe I should give him a head up that he's still in the middle of a psychotic break. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Because I'm like, she clearly, because she was all like, oh, he's totally fine. You know, he's doing better. He's great. Go yeah. on back and see him and didn't say a word. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying, too. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? Like, why did you not mention this? I mean, and, and you're right, Heather, you did say it. But I'm just saying, that's a way bigger deal. It needs to be said more than once. It really does. Because she just does nothing. She's just like, hey, guys, I don't blame you. You know, which the whole, still subtext, in the, game. <laughs> the subtext is, oh, I blame the fuck out that game, though. <laughs> I don't blame yep. you guys, but that game. And then, but doesn't say a damn thing. Why? And also, who the fuck do they talk to to, like, plan their visit? It would have had to right. have been her. So that's multiple times the mom didn't bother mentioning, oh, He's still in a psychotic break. So the last thing he needs to do is be around the same people that didn't cause the psychotic break, but were around when it happened, like that are going to perpetuate his psychotic break. I'm not saying that they need to blame yeah. their friends. I'm just saying if whenever he sees his friends, if that's just going to further his psychotic break, maybe don't invite them over for tea and crumpets. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like she had no qualms with it. Like, and yeah. she was even, she said something like, Oh, he doesn't get many friends come to visit anymore. Like that was all that was said about it. Yeah. Bitch. He's in a psychotic break. He don't need to be having no company. That's not a good right. thing. <laughs> and the funny part about that too, is that really it would have made more sense for her to blame them than the game because they were the ones that coaxed him into playing the game. You yeah. know, he like, was saying, like it was I'm having problems with this. And they yeah, like, he said, oh, no. yeah. yeah, 
But he was like, look, I, it's gotten me in trouble before. I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to stay away from it. And they like, you know, peer pressured him into playing the game. So if that mom was like, man, I blame y'all, it still would have been unwarranted. Cause I mean, come on, they're all students. How did they know? How could they have anticipated he would do this? But still, it would have made more sense for the mom to blame that than the game itself, you know? <laughs> So Especially because they dumb. made Either way, it's such a big deal out of that girl being the reason why Tom Hanks played. I mean, come on. Yeah. They were really, like I said, I feel so bad for this female character because, like, not only is, like, her, like, sexuality the reason why Tom Hanks plays this game again, because Tom Hanks wanted to fuck the chick. That's really what it was. And they, you know, they set that up. Like, Tom Hanks wanted that chick and, you know, all this other stuff. So they they were using her sexuality as the reason for so much bad stuff in this movie. And if you even want to just follow that logic, I'm not even saying it's right. I'm just saying follow the movie's logic that mom should be hella pissed at the girl. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Also, why was that guy wearing all those weird hats? Like, is that a weird 80s thing that they're like, oh, <laughs> nerds wear weird hats? I don't remember that from any other <laughs> 80s movie. Like, I know that they always do the nerds wear the weird clothes, you know? Like, oh, look at these nerds. They wear bow ties. But, like, I never once heard, oh, look at those nerds. They wear World War I German Kaiser helmets. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> That's a good question. Like, is that just a weird stereotype that was just for 1982? Could be. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't really... I don't know. I honestly can't answer that because you're right. Like, it's it's like what that I don't think that that's a thing in other movies. Like, I don't know. Uh, not that I know of. Yeah. So, yeah. And then he was struggling like there are clearly parts where he had to, like, grab at that hat to keep to, to keep it on his head. So, I mean, it just seemed like it was doing more harm than good, honestly, you know. <laughs> but then also. Why were they trying so hard to have the misdirect be the hat guy was the one that was going to be so sad that they would have to, like, you know, save him? They were really leaning so hard for that for so long. And then they went, nope, Tom Hanks, <laughs> gotcha. They're like, you knew one of these guys was going to be, you know, pathetic and lose their minds. We tricked you, though. Like, it's a weird thing to fake out. Yeah. And the yeah. way the whole movie started... It seemed like that kid was going to be the main character. Just, I mean, the yeah. way it started, he was the one coming into the school and everything. It just, it all kind of seemed like he was the main character. Then he just suddenly wasn't. It, it was just a terribly yeah. written, terribly executed because, story, man. Because it's the 80s. So the main character is the one that fucks chicks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that's why Tom right, became though. the main character. But you're right because they did that whole intro for that guy where he had this whole thing at his, you know, with his with his mom, and yeah. it, it was a long scene. And then Tom Hanks gets a, all right, mom, I'll make sure to call you. I won't play the game. Bye. Like that's it was such yeah. a big difference. Exactly. And like, we got to see him. Like you said, we saw him with his mom and they kind of established that. Then it's him kind of going up into the school. You know, we got to really, it really set it up like, yep, we're following this guy. This is the guy we're following. And then he just was not. <laughs> just, well, then think about it. Like, and 
I know it sounds like I was joking that the main character is the one that's fucking. And I'm totally not with this movie because it starts with him because nobody's fucking yet. So you just have to have a character be the main one. It's the weird hat guy. (laughs) So it starts with him being the main character. When does he stop being the main character? When Tom Hanks is fucking the girl. But then later on in the movie, what happens? The main character changes again to the third guy. Why? Because he's the one fucking the girl. I'm not lying. This movie, the main character is whoever's fucking. (laughs) Wow. Just saying. That is kind of what happens. Interesting. It was like, like, yeah, main character, a protagonist baton was passed off, you know? Hey, that's (laughs) because because leading man's fuck chicks. That's all I'm saying. And this movie (laughs) proves it. Because you ain't the leading man of the movie till you fucking. And like I said, (laughs) the one at the beginning was just default. They had to have somebody because nobody was fucking yet. So you had to have somebody. You had to have somebody that was the focus of the movie until the fucking started happening. Just saying. I also just can't emphasize how much I really hated that song. <laughs> it was the intro song to the whole movie. It was the like, hey, we're getting to know each other song when they all became friends again. Like when they all started to become friends. And then it was like just the music portion was playing at the end when or maybe a little bit of it was playing at the end when they stop him from jumping like this it's not even a good song it really drove me nuts <laughs> i was like why only one song and why this song it's it does not fit with anything else of the rest of the movie also this might be a deep cut but if they really want to go into like dungeons and dragons being evil so in this universe monster or mazes and monsters is evil they should have had one of the characters use black magic you know be like a sorcerer mm, or something like that yeah. with black magic but like necromancy powers or something like that to like tie into it maybe the possibility of being evil but like they picked two of the most boring classes ever with it because tom hanks's character is a form of paladin almost because of the religious aspects but he's more or less a white mage or a white wizard however you want to look at it and so he was all healing shit and they were like, oh, well, raise them from the dead, which is typically black magic shit. But I think the whole logic is, is like, oh, it's like using a phoenix down from Final Fantasy or something, you know, using white magic mm-hmm. to save somebody. Revive. Yeah. Revive. Yeah, yeah. Revive magic. Yeah. That type of stuff, you know. But like typically, you know, and like D&D, typically the ones that can do stuff like that. And I'm not saying this is universal. I haven't played D&D a ton of times. But typically that's black mages because it's necromancy, you know, it's considered evil shit to raise somebody from the dead, regardless of your affiliation, you know, and I think that that would have if you wanted to say the game is evil, have evil shit. All these people were doing was fucking King Arthur shit. It's all wholesome. Didn't even get into the evil shit like and I'm not even saying if you have the evil shit in the game that it correlates to anything into the outside world. I'm just saying if you're going to have it be evil, have evil shit. Don't have them running around and just beating up monsters and saving princesses from, you know, from evil dragons and shit. Like, don't that shit. That's the good shit. That shit you would see in movies back in the day with King Arthur and stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was a Disney movie about King Arthur, about that type of shit. What did they do? They cut out all the bad shit. But, like, that's what they did with the game. But then, like, when the cops interviewing him, there's like, yeah, do you play 
Mazes and Monsters because it's got potions in it. Ooh, potions. <laughs> Man, motherfucker, like everything from the 1800s was a potion. Like, ooh, drink my magical elixir. It'll make your hair grow back. You know, like that's, that was normal shit. But also now potions. And he's like, potions and murder and stealing. None of those characters were those types of characters. They didn't even have a thief or a rogue. So none of their characters would be running around stealing. I mean, come on, man. Just disappointed. Anyway, do you guys want to move on now? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So warning to Cine fans out there. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, non-movie related stuff for this next portion. It will be real shit. We might throw some movie references and whatnots here and there. You know, or some pop culture stuff here and there because it's what we do. But we're going to be kind of talking about where this type of story, mazes and monsters, like ties into other things. And I mean, this might be kind of a free for all because we've really never done anything quite like this. So we don't really have a format in which to do it in. So just, you know, sit back and have some fun. Learn some shit. Because that's what we're all about. The learning. No G. It's just an apostrophe. The learning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, where do you start with this? Um, I mean, to me, would be the direct correlation, like I said, with this, would be the satanic panic. Where I did reference that earlier in my little semi-breakdown of what this was tied to. But, yeah, in the 70s and 80s, for people that don't know, there was a thing called the satanic panic, which was more or less the idea that the devil and devil worshippers were everywhere. And I'm not really joking because they thought they were everywhere. No matter where you were, there was a devil worshiper near you. It's like one of those weird things where like one in three people is a devil worshiper and me and you are here. So that means they're a devil worshiper. And that's like how people were kind of thinking a lot back in the, the 70s and 80s with stuff that anything they disagreed with devil worship. And it sounds like I'm being extreme, but I'm not, sadly. Um, we all kind of did some like research with some stuff with these. And like I said, there's the direct correlation with devils and or Dungeons and Dragons and the Satanic Panic. And that's where Monsters and Mazes came from. And there was a lot of the tie-ins with that were some stuff. But like, what are some examples of some of the stuff you guys came across that like kind of blew your minds or whatever, or made you really like see correlations with some of the stuff happening back then with some of the stuff happening now with QAnon or maybe something else with some conspiracy theories like but just more related I guess right now for this moment the satanic panic I sound like a mess right now uh so I'm just gonna throw it to Justin first like what are some of your things you came across with the satanic panic well yeah when you had first uh presented this as a possible topic to talk about um I did vaguely remember certain examples of like the satanic panic and it just kind of really just reminded me of just uh some of the things that i do think commonly happen in american society where you just kind of have this group of people and maybe 
it's a doctor or maybe that they read some sort of literature from a psychiatrist or whatever the case may be. There's some prevailing literature or some prevailing theory that that this group of people behaves this way for X number of reasons. And a lot of times those reasons are just not founded in facts. They mix a little bit of few truths or maybe a crime was committed or whatever the case may be. And they mix some truth with a whole lot of fiction and lies. But the scary part about it is that it provokes people to do a lot of things. Uh, it, it provokes a lot of actions. And most of the time, those are adverse actions. You know, sometimes you get angry mobs raiding something. Sometimes you get mass murder and sometimes you just get censorship or policies that really don't attack the issue the way that they should. Uh, so, and this just, this satanic panic concept just kind of reminds me of that. It's just kind of, to me, it's just another fear mongering type of mechanism where you can institute fear in people. You can make them think the devil is everywhere. It's in everything. Somebody's got to be a devil worshiper. If you play this game, then this is a way for Satan to grab a hold of you and things like that. And not only does it just promote these baseless thoughts and it, it causes people to look down on other people, label them and things like that. But like I said, the, the worst thing it can do is influence people's actions. And that's how you get movies like this. That That's how you get stories like this. Somebody read an article, they jumped on it and made, and, you know, created this whole story, mazes and monsters behind this concept. And now you've got a TV movie with Tom Hanks in it talking about, look, this is dangerous. And look what happens to our youth, our children. Look what they're doing. Look how they're um, delusioned with this game and look how it makes them do things like want to commit suicide or be in the game forever. And I think that this is, and if you think about it, this is really serious stuff because th this influences parents. You know, we talk about how impressionable kids are, but you never, but it's funny because we never talk about how impressionable parents can be too. And that's what this kind of stuff does. It leaves an impression on them to make them think, oh no, I've got to protect my kid from this. I've got to do something. Something needs to be instituted or something needs to happen because if these things grab a hold of my kid, my kid could be a devil worshiper. So, and I've just seen all kinds of examples of this throughout American history. We were talking a little bit earlier before we started the call, the, the Salem witch trials remind me of this, you know, finding certain characteristics in women or torturing women and making them say that they were a witch or just these stupid tests like, okay, we put her in water and if she drowns, then we know she was a human being. But if she somehow can survive for a little bit and swim up to the surface, then she's got to be a witch because a normal person would just drown. Like I've heard all kinds of crazy things that they 
they used to do to quote unquote test if a woman was a witch or not. And a lot of it really was just about persecution was a lot of it really was about people just doing what they wanted to do in the name of these sort of things. Uh, I, I and I'll pass it off to Sterling in a minute, but Sterling was talking. Um, we were talking about like the video games. Uh, I was talking about video game ratings. This kind of reminds me of that too. Like if you were an '80s kid or growing up in that '80s '90s era, I'm sure you remember when it was all the rage in the media that games like Doom and Mortal Kombat, games with all this violence and stuff like that, is making kids aggressive. They're gonna go out and shoot each other and stuff like that. Look what happened at Columbine. And the link is these video games. So we got to stop these violent video games. We got to stop our kids from looking at this violent material. So we're going to make the, we're going to come out with this gamer rating system. And now parents, you're going to be able to do something good parent. You're going to be able to shield your kid better from these horrible games. And then they won't shoot people. And you know, that was something that I actually went through uh, as a kid with the gamer ratings and stuff like that. Now, my parents me, weren't as diligent with that as um, some other parents, but I had friends who had those crazy parents who thought it was just best for them not to play video games because of pre- prevalent media and authors and people writing stories like this. And It just really isn't true, but it definitely influences fear. And I know, Sterling, you were talking about the comics code, right? A little bit earlier, right? Well, I mentioned it as one of the things we might talk about. Yes. Yeah. And I think that like that, that's another example, you know, of uh, people taking an idea, labeling the behaviors of individuals and then running with it and causing some sort of censorship and things like that. So immediately when I saw, when I read about this satanic panic and some of the behaviors, especially uh, there was a podcast that you shared with us and we were listening to that. And on that they were, and you'll have to say the name for our listeners so they can check it out. But on that, they were talking about child abuse and, um, how these psychiatrists and these doctors and people like that would diagnose these parents or these fathers that were abusing these kids. And sometimes it was blamed on the wife. Sometimes it was blamed on all of these outside factors and how sometimes religious factors came into that and kind of provided uh, a segue in sexual abuse and stuff like that, that sort of segued into some uh, thoughts about the satanic panic and people are, you know, with their warped religious views are doing this, or sometimes these kids are tortured because, you know, they're hung by hooks and stuff. And they would get kids to admit to these crazy stories to kind of back up these these anti-Satan religious theories that a lot of these people would have, including cops, you know, getting kids to admit to these stories that weren't true about their abuse. And it just led to even more panic. So, yeah, just like I said, I went from video games to child abuse to to the, to back to this board game. And you can see, like, this is definitely something that is just 
always plagued our society. And I think it's been for the worse, not the better. What about you, Heather? I mean, it, it was really interesting looking at some of the information and just kind of the sort of how things and different types of um, theories or different types of, you know, like the satanic panic and things like that, how there's just different forms of it. But it's also something that it's it's still happening. Like it was happening back then. It's happening now. And if I'm being honest, though, like the first thing that really would come to mind that's similar um, is just kind of some of the theories that you hear about, um, you know, the pandemic and the coronavirus and, you know, that it's um, I mean, I mean, I've heard I've heard things about how, you know, it's it's a cover up for child sex trafficking um, and, you know, which is a major issue that nobody wants to report about and things like that, where I mean, there's and there's a ton of theories out there either way. But I mean, that's just kind of I feel like this global pandemic is sort of um in that vein big time right now especially in the past several months and it's it's just one of those things where people i feel like any of these types of you know panics or th- theories and things that come up i just i do feel like a lot of it is obviously motivated or um perpetuated by fear um people that maybe They don't want to see it one way. They'd rather see it a different way because it would fit more with um, something that they would want to be true. Um, And that's not everybody. That's just there are some of that that I have seen. And, um, you know, people just also sometimes want to make it fit into not even necessarily like I want this to be what's true. So I'm going with it more so than just like out of convenience they want to believe a theory because it supports their their lifestyle better or it, it keeps them from or it makes them i guess gives a reason if you will to want to feel a certain way about certain groups of people or things like that you know so it's it's all very convoluted and it's it's just like that for me you know the coronavirus really is a huge one that I, you know, you just see all these different theories about and all of these different takes that people have on, on what's really happening and that, you know, it's just kind of a, a smaller part of a bigger evil and things like that. And it's, it's a little bit mind boggling sometimes to just think about like, I don't know. I I just feel like that a lot of, (laughs) a lot of it is just that people want to, they want to, they they want to do what's going to kind of support their how they want to feel about it. They're going to they're going to line up with what makes them feel most comfortable because of what they already pre-existing believe about things, if that makes sense. So, um but yeah, that's that for me was the big one that that really came to mind. I mean, in today's, you know, political climate and in today's just world in general and everything going on, it really just, it feels like you could have probably made like a movie like this now and it would have been even more relevant and it would have been, you know, it it would have been not too far off from things that back then people were talking about. So, yeah. And what you said there, 
like really quickly uh, before Sterling goes. Uh, what you said there about the pandemic just made me think of some other things, too. Like, I think that was a good link and correlation with kind of what's happening today. And also, do you think that just the fact that we are in the midst of a pandemic, more people are at home, more people are having time to access different avenues for information, whether it's social media or they're on their computers and people now are at home, they're having the ability to kind of deep dive into some of these things, you know, and maybe some of these theories are becoming more prevalent because they're just more readily available to people. You know what I mean? You you know, now you don't have to read a famous author's book or something like that to find out about a satanic panic. You can just type in, I mean, and then, and even now, like our social media pages, they're doctored and wired to feed you opinions and things that they think you care about, depending on how you voted or what your political views are. You know, it categorizes your political views based on what you look at, videos, taste, everything like that. And it gives you more information based on that. So it would just stand to reason that given the pandemic, given that we're on our phones more, we're on the internet more, more people are readily available to search this stuff because we more people are just at home right now. It stands to reason that a lot of these theories would be prevalent because people just simply have more access to them. They, their ability to get in people's faces is much easier now, I would think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like you can get your hands on <laughs> all sorts of different ideas now, which is kind of in a way it's a really awesome thing, but it can also be dangerous just depending on how you're yeah. looking at it and whose hands it's in, really. But I think that, that that's a... That's a huge part of why, you know, QAnon and and things like that, where it's just very much um, very prevalent right now, because it's it's just everywhere, um, because you can get it anywhere. And, you know, I I just feel like that is, it, it wouldn't be, yeah, like it just because of all of the social media outlets we have, and all the news outlets we have, and, and just everything like that. And for even, and also just for even one what whatever one person's going to think they are going to be able to find someone else who probably will think that same thing or agree with them on it. You know, mm-hmm. you might find two people who disagree, which you'll find one who does, you know, so it's just kind of like, and I think that might be more why people are um, openly saying more so how they feel and what their theories and beliefs are about things with stuff like this, like a pandemic is because they know that somewhere out there, somebody else is going to probably have that same thought as them. And they have access to people who are going to agree with them more, if that makes sense. So um, I do agree. I think that that's, you know, you, you can get your hands on this information and whatever information you're looking for. You'll also be able to find whatever you're looking for about it. Like if you want to agree with it or disagree with it, you're going to find so many sources that lean either way. So, yeah, that's very true. And just to warn people, if you start hearing loud cat noises, one of my cats wanted to be picked up. She's very needy right now. So hopefully I'll keep uh-huh. her quiet, but she's just very needy. She wants in on the conversation. She does. Yeah. 
Um, but oh, where to begin? Where to begin? I mean, with a lot of this stuff, if you really want to go back into it, um, when it comes directly to the satanic panic, uh, Justin kind of alluded to it earlier, but the big one of the big thought processes in the 50s, 60s, and 70s when it came to child sexual abuse. And a lot of trends showed it at the time that most of the time, most instances of child sexual abuse weren't from strangers. They were from family members. And so there was this one doctor who was a lot, one of the big prevailing doctors of identifying and, and treating child sexual abuse back in, uh, during those times. And unfortunately, his thought process behind it was that, like Justin alluded to, that if a man is sexually abusing one of his children, especially a daughter, that was because the wife wasn't fulfilling their her part of the marriage. And that if the wife just did more to do that, then the man wouldn't seek it from his daughter. But the reason why he did seek it from his daughter is because he wanted to keep it in the family still, because that's what was important, the family. And... That's what was disgusting and terrible about that. Um, one of the big problems with that is that also that guy later had a lot of influence with the satanic panic. Um, when it came to the whole idea of recognizing uh, devil or satanic rituals, because that was one of the big things they did back then was they would have seminars and teach doctors and psychologists and and parents and anybody in law enforcement, and anybody that wanted to know how to find signs of satanic rituals. And you could go to seminars about it, and there were these satanic ritual experts. The problem with <laughs> it was, is the idea became, if you can't explain it or it sounds bad, that was the reason. It taught them to look for it everywhere. You know, like your kid goes to school and gets a bruise on their leg. It's not that the kid fell on the playground. No, that would that would be the least likely thing. The most likely thing is that their teachers would take them to secret, like, satanic dungeons and force satanic rituals on your children. That was the most likely explanation. And that's what they would do, is they would accuse people nonstop. I mean, there was a daycare center in California this happened to. There was a daycare center up in Canada, in uh, Saskatchewan, Canada, where this happened. And it's it's like Justin was saying that there was some elements of truth to it, you know, like most likely the reason up in Canada, why the whole satanic panic that started there was at this daycare center was because the son of the people that own the daycare center most likely did sexually assault a couple of the children. And those charges from everything did end up sticking because two of those accounts came well before any of the other accounts, before they got this massive flood of every kid that had ever been there, you know, coming forth and saying something. There were the two, and they weren't satanic-related, like, or satanistically related. You know what I mean? They were typical, well, unfortunately like normal accounts of sexual abuse. And that's a terrible thing to say that there is something like that, but unfortunately there is in this world. And so those were most likely true. So what happened was they were getting investigated for that. And then it became, well, 
did it happen to other kids? And you start asking these kids questions and they became leading questions. So the kids would say the answers you wanted to hear because you give them positive reinforcement. If you said, if they said anything remotely close to what you wanted them to say, and then you would treat them negatively if they didn't agree with what you said. And even if they didn't agree with you nine times in a row and you just kept being negative towards them, and then they'd say, well, maybe something did happen. And then you reacted positively, it would go from there. And so what ended up happening is, you know, these two accounts of it that most likely did happen and he was accused of and charged and, and convicted of grew into something else. And I'm sorry, I said a daycare in California. I'm into preschool in California. I'm sorry. Um, but in all those instances, there was one in the instance in Canada, they were like, oh, they would take us to this house and this house that they ended up describing and that the kids didn't necessarily describe that the adults described to the kids and the kids just said yes to was like 20 miles away. And they were told they went there via like an underground tunnel and stuff. And that there was all this blood and sacrifice and, you know, cages and markings and this and that all over this house. But then when they go to that house, there's absolutely nothing there. So then what did they do? Instead of going, oh, well, maybe this story isn't true. They went, oh, there's cops in on it then. And then they accused a couple of cops of being in on it. And then whenever they were like, yep, the kids identified this one cop every time. And then whenever they did another lineup in court with it, they all picked three different guys. And <laughs> one of them was asked, well, why did you pick this guy? And he said, oh, I like the color of his tie. So this kid was saying, hey, this is the guy that, you know, abused me in a satanic ritual because I like the color of his tie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Damn. But there's there's like a lot of instances of it because instead of looking for the most common or most logical reason behind a lot of these things, which was that, yes, a couple of kids were sexually abused and that might have just been it. They were they were trained to look for more regardless of what the evidence was. And that's the problem. Yeah. Is if you can't find evidence. That's because there's higher ups that are in on it. Could be they couldn't they would not believe that if they couldn't find evidence, that meant there wasn't anything. It just meant that, oh, we can't find evidence. That means judges and cops and mayors and sheriffs and this and that are in on it, too, is the only thing it could mean. Not that it didn't happen. And that's where they went with a lot of this stuff. And so with that. It really was. And that's why it was called the satanic panic. I mean, you would have there was an uh, there was like an episode of Oprah back in the day where this guy was like, oh, I'm in the uh, you know, I'm in a satanic cult. And then there was like a guy in the audience that would be like, I used to be in a satanic cult, but I got out. And then they'd be like, oh, tell us your stories. And he'd be like, yeah, we killed people. If you actually killed people, you're not admitting that on Oprah or Sally Jesse Raphael. But that's what they would do. They'd go and admit it. Right. And. They wouldn't, they would never act. They would like, people would just believe it. They wouldn't realize it's a grift because there was actually a, there were people that would travel around to churches. There would just be ex church of Satan members and they'd go around and recount their stories and about how ultimately they were saved by Jesus. But like they would go and they would say things like, yes, we murdered children and everybody in church would be like, oh, well, at least he's saved now. Nobody would be like, hey. This motherfucker just admitted to murdering kids. Maybe he should still go to jail anyway. Nope. Because if anything was, if they were overlooked into, 
they'd be like, oh, well, no, no, it's true. So earlier I mentioned that doctor that was then like in like a big influential member in some of this stuff, like one of his like disciples or like somebody that had like followed his teachings with the satanic panic stuff, who then wrote a book on it. He actually came across this woman and I want to say her name was Melissa or something like that. Um, and there's a book and it's like whatever the girl's name is, is memories or something like that. So it's like called Melissa's memories. I don't think Melissa's her actual name. I just think I'm remembering wrong, but that's what the book is called or something like that. Like if the woman's name is Anne, it's Anne's memories. So whatever it is, something memories. And he was like, yeah, she was kidnapped by a satanic cult for like eight years and they abused her every way possible. But because she was so strong in her faith, they could never actually break her. And she finally escaped and she had repressed all those memories you know, from eight years of abuse, but because she came to me and we did hypnosis and all these other things, we were able to find all the actual memories and she remembered everything. And like her stories are ridiculous as in she's saying things like they surgically grafted devil horns and a tail on her. Wow. But then there's like no evidence or scarring of anything. Um, and it's also funny because then like other people have come out and openly disproved what she's saying is even possible because it's like, oh, yeah, I was in there from this year to this year and all this other stuff. And then like right in the middle of that, they're like, well, there's this school picture of you. Obviously, you weren't kidnapped and in a satanic cult. You were in elementary school halfway through all that. And she's like, nope, in a cult. And just to show how up and up this psychologist was also, he also married her. So he married his patient. <laughs> oh, my. You know, which in the world of, you know, psychology and psychiatry is a huge no-no. Right. So, yeah, like that's how on the up and up a lot of that stuff was. Um, But, yeah, it just became a thing where, like I said, people were taught to look for it. And it translates to so many other things. I mean, because it's almost why, like leading the witness in a sense. Oh, it but is. In, it's 100% yeah. is. It's, yeah. You find yeah. people that are psychologically like susceptible or children and you lead them to get the answers you want. Uh, I was telling Justin and Heather before we started, I should have sent them these clips. There's a there's a guy on TikTok that's like doing a podcast with his like two year old daughter. And it's a great example of how easy it is based on your reactions to what a child says. How ridiculous a child will say things. Because like at this one point, he's like, yeah, we went to the zoo today, right? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, what happened at the zoo? And she's like, I ate a flamingo. And he's like, what? You ate a flamingo? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, I went in there and ate one. And he's like, then what happened? And she just keeps saying more and more ridiculous ass shit. Because he's just like, every time she says something like that, he he has a happy tone and all this stuff. And so she just keeps get, saying more ridiculous shit, you know, because all of his it's all because of his tone. And it, while it's incredibly entertaining in that setting, it shows how easy it is to do it with anything else, you know? Yeah, it's and it's interesting, too, because like it, it almost sort of reminds me, too, of like the um kind of like the form of therapy where they do like the. Uh, like play therapy where they let kids sort of, you know, draw or do do whatever they want, like with the toys in the room. And they're basically just making a bunch of assumptions off of that. <laughs> and it's almost like you can, you can, you know, 
coerce in a way somebody to to say what fits what you are assuming you know by the way you're leading it so yeah it's just that's just kind of what it reminds me of what you were talking about just now oh yeah they did stuff like that with this stuff too because like one of the doctors that was like one of the big people in like helping recover memories of satanic rituals and stuff like that she had anatomically correct dolls like sexually anatomically correct dolls that she would have the kids play with for like an hour, like normalizing themselves to these dolls and then use those dolls to be like, what happened with this? What happened with that? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, it's scary with a lot of that stuff, but a lot of it boils down to why people are so susceptible to things like this or want things like this to be true is because a it is it it starts with a noble reason protecting children not wanting kids to be sexually abused that's something that's more or less like a universal thing nobody wants that so it's very easy to get behind it cuz who's going to say no 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 kids need to be sexually abused no one so well Nobody that you should ever listen to. I mean, the people that say that are fucking assholes. So don't listen to them. But I'm just saying, like, it starts with that. It starts with a noble thing. But then what they don't want to do is they don't want to. They, they want to find something that's easy to blame. And it's kind of like, what's the lowest common denominator type of thing? Yeah. It's, you know, what's something that takes blame away from me? You know, and, and, and it. It's it shows that across the board with so many things, though. It's like Justin earlier when he brought up um, the video game issues with violent video games and needing the 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 video game rating system and all this other stuff. Like, why did that start? Because of like something like Columbine and they decided that violent video games and violent music were the reason Columbine happened. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, they do it because they want to find the lowest common denominator or like something like that, where. What is it that they found? Well, they went to that kid's houses and they had violent video games and they had, you know, metal music. And then so somebody else that was ever violent at a school, they went to his house and they're like, well, what did he have? Well, he had violent video games and violent music. So instead of going, well, yeah, so do millions of other kids that don't do the same thing. So obviously that's not the reason. They just went, nope, that's the common thread no matter what. So that's why. They look for a reason. Yeah. They they look for what is the reason instead of investigating possible reasons. They go in with an agenda instead of yeah, like a researcher's mentality. They're not forming. That's the best way to put it. They're not yeah. formulating hypotheses and testing and all this other stuff. No, no, no. They go. I think it's this. Well, since I thought that and I found what I wanted to find, I've confirmed it, and that's what it is. It goes back to um, what Justin was talking about with the comics code. Uh, what most people don't realize is the reason why the comics code happened was that, um, you know, crime in the 30s and 40s and 50s and stuff like that, crime was going up, you know, and as crime grows up, you know, people want to know why. And so what they did is they went to a bunch of prisons to interview prisoners and they were like, hey, what's something that you have, you know, just that's a part of your life? And they asked all these prisoners this and that and this and that. And they were like, man, we found that most most prisoners in prisons read and have comic books. Therefore, the reason why crime is going up is comic books. 
And so that became like a thing and it went to Congress and like everybody's like, well, what are you doing? Comics industry, every crime's going up because of you. And so what did the comics do to make sure that like Congress didn't actually do anything against them? They were like, well, we'll police ourselves. And they came up with the comics code, which was around forever. And it was all because they went, well, prisoners in jail have comics. That's why not looking at, you know, any other factors like, well, they were allowed to have items in jail, like books and stuff like that. But especially back then, literacy wasn't that high for a lot of people. So what was the easiest thing to read versus a, a book or a comic? A comic was. What's easier just to take, take and roll up and put in your back pocket and walk around with a comic book? What's cheaper than a book? A comic, you know? Yeah. Like all these other factors that were the actual reason why prisoners had comic books. They just went, nope, the common thread is comics. We nailed it. Because they wanted to find the one thing. They wanted to find the reason. So they found the reason. And all it was was the common denominator. It had nothing to actually do with anything else. It was just something that was there. You know? I mean, nobody's sitting there running around reading Superman nonstop. And just being like, I'm a homicidal maniac because I read Superman. Like, come on. (laughs) Especially not Superman back then. Which, I say that, Superman was also insanely psychotic back then. Like, all comics were really weird back in the day. Like, did you guys know that there's an issue of, like, was Batman and Superman? Like, there was, like, Super Best Pals or something like that, where they literally wanted to trick Robin and Jimmy Olsen. Uh, and so their practical joke was making them dig their own graves. Yeah, comics were crazy, dude. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is straight comics up in, like, the 1950s. <laughs> comics are crazy, man. Um. Yeah, those like the dark, twisted shit they were doing back then. They're like, dig your own grave. <laughs> Practical joke. We scared you. And that's Superman and Batman doing it to him. That's the weirdest thing about it. Yeah, it wasn't somebody like people. the Joker. Nope, it's Batman and Superman doing it to him. Um, but yeah, it was things like that. And so then like you get into like a, we were talking about video games and music. It's, you know, oh, they played that. So obviously it's that they so they use that as the reason. But it's it's funny because if you logically thinking about it, millions of other kids were doing the same thing and not doing those things. So it's very obvious that's not the problem. Yeah. But since it was something that was common, that was it. You know, I, I, I've experienced something like this directly in my own life. Um, the man who I thought for a majority of the, my life was my biological father, and it turns out he wasn't anyway. Um he was a he was a arson investigator where where uh in the area in which I grew up and I used to back in the day play magic the gathering that was my big nerdy thing I never really played D&D a whole whole lot I have a few times but I play magic I still do now um but I played magic and one day he was like I was like you know just playing around with my magic cards at his house on um, you know one of my weekend visits and he was like oh what's this? And I showed him all my magic cards and he was like, you can't play that. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, because you know, I'm the arson investigator. And anytime a kid sets like does arson, when we go to their house during the investigation, they're always, they always have D and D and magic cards. So you can't do that because it's just evil devil worshiping stuff. Like I, I, I had the same experiences as a lot of these things. And so instead of just acknowledging the fact that Maybe that's something that kids do play, you know, and it's just 
a coin like that the, there can be people that play that that don't set arsons because all the arsonists he'd ever been to play that that was the reason why and i couldn't play because i i'd be an arsonist and i really think that that speaks to his like mentality on his own parenting because i mean he's more or less saying he raised a kid that can't tell the difference between a card game in real life I'm like haha jokes on you you say you're a sucky parent i mean he was don't get me wrong he totally was but i'm just saying he kind of self-owned himself in that too <laughs> yeah yeah and another thing it actually makes me think about like as you were talking and i was thinking about you know kids and stuff what about like and I don't know if this is still a big craze. I'm I'm sure it, uh, some parents go through it now. But what about the whole like, you know, like when kids would be uh, acting a little aggressive or they might be kind of hard at obeying and different taking instruction, different things like that. And do you remember hearing about or having anybody going through that like ADHD kind of craze where they were feeding, where they were getting kids all these medications and there were all these studies saying, oh, your kid is acting up a little bit, you know, rather than give yeah. them time to develop, let's just pump them full of pills and send them on their way. And what you need to do is get them on these prescriptions. I remember that being a big thing. And I think that has some relevance to this too. You know, these reports coming out about these kids and they have these conditions and you got to medicate your kids. You got to medicate them. You got to medicate them. You know, it's not about talking, teaching and parenting, you know, give them these pills and they'll act better. And I think that's something too. A lot of fear is pushed on parents in that way too. Well, yeah. And yeah. Well, I mean, I, that just, that personally resonates with me because I grew, I grew up, I had a ton of friends that were all diagnosed ADHD, ADD, all that shit. They were given Ritalin and all this other stuff. And then you end up like having people like me whose parents wouldn't want to ever acknowledge that there could be problems. And then it turns out I do have ADHD and I was never given meds for it. So I just think it's one of those crazy things that's like, I know so many people that were like you, they just had, you know, they were growing up. So yeah, there's behavioral issues because they're fucking kids and they were just giving copious amounts of drugs and like all this other stuff. And then people like me who actually had the disorder, my parents refused to take me because they didn't want to acknowledge anything. And uh, it turns out I hadn't could have actually used the drugs. See, and that's hmm. unfortunate, you know, that either way they are reacting to that story and going, ah, eh, well, we just, you know, we just won't do anything about it. And that's unfortunate. You didn't get that. But yeah, you know, you can see both sides of that, how this narrative that is based in some truth, because like your situation, some kids do have it. Some kids do struggle with those conditions. But that that little bit of truth causes in the narrative of all these articles and all of these things and these doctors pushing these prescriptions for money causes an, a hysteria, you know, and it's just another example of that. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, people are afraid of things they don't understand. And so they're very quick to put a name to it, whatever it is, um, just because they want to feel like they have more of a control over what that is, or they just, they want to feel like they have a better understanding of what it is because they can't control some things. And I just feel like a general rule is that's why people are so susceptible to 
different theories and different just like, oh, here's a quick fix for it. Or here's something that I'm going to tell you works and you go with it because it's better than not knowing anything and being afraid of that. And I think that's just kind of a general way that humans are. And I mean, and it's also just kind of like something that's kind of a pet peeve of mine is people really throw around the word evil very quickly with things. <laughs> I mean, evil is definitely a huge thing. There's a lot of evil things, but I feel like when people don't understand or when they have a difference of opinion of something, they're just very quick to say, oh, that's evil because it's just, you know, they're, it's just, a, it's something to, it's a name to put to something that you might not understand because you don't agree with it. And it bothers me, you know, cause I'm just like, you know, e- evil, that's, that's actually a very, that's much more of a profound and like harsh word than people think, <laughs> you know what I mean? And just to call someone who, you know, like, oh, I don't believe the same thing you believe, you're evil, you know, and I feel like it's just people putting a name to something that they don't agree with or don't understand. And I feel like a lot of these things can, can turn into that too. So that's, I think that you definitely have a point with that. And that's kind of a great segue uh, to go into some of this, you know, the, this QAnon stuff and just some of the recent things that have happened in the country politically. And I think some of it does have to do with what you're talking about. People see something or people see a certain group talking about something and they don't understand it, whether it's systemic racism or whether it's um, people talking about equality for this or that or the L- LGBTQ or whatever the case may be like, you know, y- you just get the sense that there is this portion of people who they don't understand these things and they're impressionable to the narrative that if these people get things, you're losing something. Like, and so you have all these people with this delusion that I'm losing something. If all of these foreign people move into the country, I'm losing something. I'm going to lose a job. I'm going to lose my livelihood. If these people are allowed to be hired for jobs or if the NFL is cracking down on diverse hirings and stuff like that, somebody else is losing losing an opportunity that there's this idea with people that they are losing who they are or we're losing America. You hear this a lot with things that people don't understand the identity of America. We're going to lose it. If these people get their way, if these things we don't understand or don't take time to listen to, if something changes, we're going to lose. If we defund the police, that means we're not going to have any police whatsoever. We're going to lose the police. Like, None of these, you know, you, you, you hear those extreme, like we're like normally from those people, what you hear is this extreme view. And normally it's with losing something or like, you know, the kind of the concept of like cancel culture or politically incorrect or people, you know, people not wanting people to say certain things about women or, you know, 
even something as much as there being a black little mermaid. There's this other side of people that feel like, man, because of this woke movie or these concepts, we are losing something. We're losing the original Ariel if this new Ariel in this new movie is black. And then you think about what happened recently at the Capitol and what is it? It's a bunch of people that thought that they lost the right to a fair election, like the the like whatever the theory, the pre, the prevalent theories were, the narrative that was going around is is that we we didn't get a fair election, we lost the election because we lost the fairness of that election, and we've got to do something about it. We're losing this country, we're losing uh, all of these things. Things. And if we don't fight, if we don't stand up, if we don't form a coup and try an insurrection, then we're going to lose uh, a sense of something that we had control over of this of this country. And I think a lot of it is that, too. And those kinds of beliefs not only not only does that lead to what you said, Heather, like where people are just labeling something as evil, but especially if you think something is evil or you feel like you're losing something or something is being taken from you, a lot of your, a lot of the reactions of those people is going to be, I got to do something to take it back. I got to take some sort of action. I got to fight this thing because I feel like I'm losing something. And there's no evidence of that. When you really talk about these things and dissect some of these things, these people aren't losing anything. But I do think that's the prevailing theory. And like you said, that evil label, it's got to be bad. It's got to be evil because I'm losing something. And I, I just see a lot of that. And, you know, I feel like it it goes right in with this concept. Well, with, yeah. a, with a lot of that, it's because everybody wants to act like everything in the world is weirdly finite. Like, yeah. if someone else gets rights, that means you have less rights. It's like mm -hmm. the idea that rights are finite resource. Like, there's only X number of rights to go around for every American. And some people just get more rights and some people get less. That's just the way it is. That's that's the mentality behind it. If somebody else is getting more rights, that means, by default, that means you're getting less rights. And that's not really what's happening, or no, what it is reality, all. you know, giving LGBT, uh, LGBTQ people rights doesn't mean that straight people have less rights or your normal like, cisgender people. We don't get less rights. You still have all the same rights. It's just other people are now getting those rights too. like it's not a finite resource like rights aren't finite. Equality isn't finite. Exactly. You know, it's like, but I do feel bad, Justin, because apparently you, you, you didn't hear that when they finally do their live action Little Mermaid, Disney's then going to go to everybody's house and take away the original Little Mermaid movie. So you only oh. have Black Little Mermaid from that point on. So they oh, really are okay. going to get rid of Ariel. Oh, no. You didn't so hear that. People are so they're, upset. They're going to go oh, take man. every single copy of it part. ever. Yep. That's obviously what's going to happen. 
because <laughs> there's no possible way that if you want to see the original Ariel, you can't just watch the original movie that just ceases <laughs> to be available or possible once this live action one comes out. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those dumb things. I mean, if it's a bad remake or you don't like it, that's the beauty of remakes. You can just go watch the original. Exactly. Like, as much as I hate the remake of Lion King, you know what's great about the remake of Lion King? I can just watch the original one. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Problem solved. I never have to watch the, the remake Lion King ever. I've watched it one time. I've never had to watch it again. You know why? Because the original one still exists. That's the point. Is it's just a new version of the same thing. So if you like the new version, you can watch it. If you like the old version, you can watch it. If you like both of them, you can watch either one. If you hate both of them, why the fuck are you debating which one to watch? I mean, it's a really simple thing. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have watched it, but the remake of... of of RoboCop with Joel Kinnerman. Um, oh, I missed that. No. I don't know why I haven't seen that. Yeah, no, that movie sucks balls, dude. Like, it's yeah, garbage. I, I know. <laughs> I and heard, you know what's great about it? I've seen it once, like seven years ago. You know what I've seen since then? The original RoboCop. Because it still <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> yep. Like, so how do I, like, you know, not watch that one again? I just don't do it. It's great. Like, that's the magical thing about it. So who cares if they remake, like, Little Mermaid? Just watch the old one. Who gives a fuck? Nobody's ever going to get mad at somebody because they go, you know what? I just like the original Little Mermaid, so I watch it. Who's going to get mad at that person? Really? Come on. I mean, the only way you're going to get somebody mad at you is if you go, you know what? I just have to have a white aerial, so that's why I watch it. All right. You might get some people mad at you if you say that, but <laughs> as long as you don't say that and you just say, you know what? I like the original. So I watch it. Who's going to say no. You know what I mean? Like get over it. Who cares? Let somebody else enjoy something. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like I hate the movie, the Joker. I hate it, but you know what? I also understand a lot of people like it so they can watch it. Who cares? I don't have to like, so it's fine. I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't understand why those people like it, but I understand people do. You know why? Because they made like a billion dollars and people love talking about how much they like it. So that's fine. They can go do that. And they can also disagree with me and say, I disagree with Sterling. I'm going to go watch it. So it's fine. Like, yeah, things are not losing anything by them liking something that you don't like. You're not losing anything. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, is, Things are allowed to exist for only certain people to like them. Like, nothing exists in this world for everybody to like it. I mean, the closest thing we have to that would probably be Avengers Endgame. And I don't like it. (laughs) But pretty much the rest of the world does. But you know what? That's fine. You know, I don't like it. But a lot of, a lot, a stupid amount of people like that movie. And guess what? That's fine. Because you know what I don't have to do? I don't ever have to watch it if I don't want to. And those people can watch it 90 billion times in theaters like at least one person did. Because, dear God, that movie made so much money. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where things are allowed to exist and not affect other people. But that's, I mean, and I know I act like 
it it matters. Like I I know I act like me not liking the Joker is all that matters. I get that. That's just the way I act. But in all actuality, do I realize that my opinion probably doesn't matter to anyone else in the world? Yes. I'm fine with that. <laughs> That's not going to stop me from saying it. But I don't think honestly I'd be worried if my opinion dictated someone else's opinion. That would be just dumb to allow my fucking opinion to dictate someone else's. Because I I'm not, you know, so self-absorbed to think that my opinion actually matters in the in the totality of humanity, my opinion is nothing. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Like <laughs> Who am I? I'm some fucking guy in Joliet, Illinois right now in a basement talking on a fucking podcast. That's fine. You know, and I so with with all that, though, like it goes into, you know, with what you were saying, Justin, that it's it's people, you know, they're thinking that something is woke because it's just different than what it's been before or it's being diverse in anything. And so it's like it's, you know, taking away from something else when it's not, you know, but then at the same token, going into what Heather was talking about, where it's control in an uncontrollable world, wanting mm. a sense of what's going on, wanting to think yeah. you actually know what is going on, because the likelihood of anybody knowing actually truly knowing anything is remote. We can think we know stuff, but to know to say, you know, something entirely is it is, is almost an impossible statement. Yeah. Because you can't even say you know yourself in totality because, yeah, you know, you might have like one artery that's getting dangerously clogged with cholesterol. You don't know. You you might you might know, but you might not know how bad you might not know exactly. You know what I mean? There's always going to be something about your body you don't know. I mean, how many times do we forget shit as just being a human being that's alive? How much do we <laughs> forget true. shit? So you can't even say you know your life in totality. I I mean, I would assume that there, I mean, I guarantee, I know there are people that have eidetic memories and probably do remember everything. But for the most part of people, how many times has somebody, you, have you walked in a room and just forgot why you walked in there? You know? Yeah. Yep. Or forgot <laughs> yep. who you were calling when you were like making a call and you forgot who you were calling. Or how many times have you like got on your phone to look something up? But then once you unlock your phone, you forgot you were doing that and you start doing something else. Yep. You know, I mean, we do stuff like that all the time. So we can't even say we know our lives in totality because you, you will forget shit, you know. So these people want a sense of knowledge with something. They want a sense of, of even if it's not control, they want to at least believe they understand or believe they know what is going on with something. I mean, one reason yeah. why conspiracy theories are so easy to latch on to is because a conspiracy theory is downright impossible to disprove to a degree that the person that believes in it will stop believing in it because honestly, they're built with easy outs. They're built with easy ways to automatically discredit anything that is said in, in disagreement with them. You take Roswell, New Mexico. Very close to where me and Justin grew up. I've been to Roswell a few times. It's a little weird town in New Mexico. They've got a lot of alien shit there. But was it 1950s alien UFO crash is what is believed to have happened there. And 
if you go up to somebody and say, hey, no, that was a weather balloon. What, what, did, what did they say? Cover up. You will never be yep. able to disprove that aliens weren't there because it's impossible to disprove there's, there wasn't a cover up in their, in their eyes. You might come with all this other stuff, but it's easy for them to go, well, that's a cover up of the cover up. Bam. Still valid to them. Look at JFK assassination. You know, you can show all the evidence of Lee Harvey Oswald or whatever, you know, all you want. But all that is to them is cover up of the people on the grassy knoll of the third guy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's cover up. And if you disprove that, that's a cover up of the cover up. You disprove that. That's a cover up of the cover up of the cover up. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like that quote. That's like something like for those who believe in something, no proof is necessary. But for those who don't believe there's no proof that's possible. It's kind of like that kind of mentality about it. Yeah. Yeah. So good one. Yeah. And so when you get into it now, nowadays with QAnon and the reason why QAnon is valid in this conversation, especially is because it does share a lot of, of similarities to the satanic panic. A lot of one big QAnon conspiracy is that uh, Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi and Obama and Biden and pretty much anybody that associates as a Democrat, especially one that's in power somewhere, they are devil worshipers, which like is a direct correlation to the satanic panic, but also that they uh, are a part of a child sex trafficking, that they uh, there's literally person that says they have seen a video of hillary clinton skinning the face off a baby and wearing it but yet the videos never appeared anywhere but they've seen it but it won't appear because of the deep state you know cover up that's the other thing cover up you know but it's it's one of those things where you can say all this but if you disagree with it it's a cover-up it's a deep you know it's the deep state it's you know, the Illuminati, it's something that is why you've never seen it or why they've been able to hide it. It can't possibly be that it's not true. That can't right. be it. The reason is always something else. There's something deeper. There's something bigger. There's, you know, more conspiracies. There's, you know, something to always hide it, you know. And for a lot of people in QAnon, like Donald Trump was supposed to be the savior of of america from the deep state from these devil worshipers he was supposed to stop the child sex trafficking that these people were doing he was supposed to do this and that and this and that so much so that people were thinking within hours of the inauguration of joe biden earlier today that they thought he was still had a plan to take them all down like so much so they looked so deep into it that you know the little place he was going to do his like farewell speech from and all this other stuff it had 17 flags on it. What's the 17th letter of the alphabet? Q. So since it had 17 flags there, that was a reference to the letter Q. So that meant the plan was still on. It was still going to happen. Could be that just, you okay. know, they put 17 flags up. You know, <laughs> um, there was a, there were people that were like talking about anytime that Donald Trump, like so many times when Donald Trump brought up the Spanish flu and the, that that outbreak back then, he would say se- or 1917 instead of saying 1918, which is when it actually happened, was 1918. But he would say 1917. And so what would they say? Oh, that wasn't him getting it wrong. That was him tipping everybody off. 17. Q, again. Like, that's how deep they go with some of these things, you know? And like I said, 
it all starts with something relatively innocent or slightly positive, you know, like, you know, most of these people are Christians. So what's a bad thing? Devil worshipers. I don't necessarily agree with that because I don't necessarily believe in any of that. But I understand if you are a devout Christian, a devil worshiper would be a bad thing. You know, that's literally somebody that worships the adversary. So I get why that would be bad to them, you know, or why they would get behind wanting to stop something like that. I get that. Within their belief system, that's a positive thing. So I understand it. And like I said earlier, nobody's getting behind child sex trafficking. So obviously, yes, that's a positive thing to want to stop. We should all want to stop child sex trafficking rings. We can get behind that. You know, you can be a Republican and wanted Trump as your president. I might have flaws with that or qualms with that, but I understand if that's your belief, why you would want to believe that and why you would want to believe that's a good thing and why you would want to believe he's going to be a good president. So I can't necessarily fault you for that. You know, those are relatively innocent and, and positive things within the, their realms of existence to want to get behind. So that's all understandable. And that's just, but that's just where it starts. The problem is they go way further than that <laughs> to where, like Heather said, anybody that is an other, anybody that is not what they are or what they want or what they expect is an other and they're the enemy and they are evil and they are one of these things. That's the problem with it is it goes from, oh, well, you don't think Trump's a good president. You're a pedophile then. Yeah, that's bad. There's no that, like that's you can't correlate that. You know, just because right. th they are, you know, the quote unquote enemy or whatever doesn't make them automatically the most negative thing possible. You know, it's the, the, the idea of of nuance or, you know, individual individualistic thought about people is just completely thrown out the window with these things. And like I said, it all starts from wanting control in an uncontrollable world, you know. If you're losing your job, you're losing this, you're losing that, and you want a beacon of hope, you want to latch on to it, you know? And if for those people, if it was Donald Trump, they want to they want to latch on to it, you know? Because they do, for whatever reason, they do feel like Jasmine was saying earlier, they feel like they're losing stuff. Even if they're not, they feel like they're yeah. losing stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you feel like things are being taken away from you, you do get defensive. You do start to see other people as enemies. And you when other people fight back, exactly. You want to fight back. You, you hear other people saying, yeah, these are enemies and this is why they're enemies. And you're like, oh my God, I thought they were just enemies for this, but they're actually enemies for all this. And I mean, we see this all the time with little things or we've been seeing it for the last few years, especially with little things. And at the, at the time I thought it was crazy, but I didn't really know what QAnon was back then. But a few years ago, when there was a lot of Black Lives Matter stuff happening and stuff like that, I guess it was actually earlier this year or last year. There was a lot of shit that happened last year. Holy fuck. But yeah, I guess it was just last year when, you know, on one of Justin's Facebook posts when you were talking about Black Lives Matter and one of the people there randomly brought up, but what about child sex rings? Yes, I remember that. And yes. I'm against I'm... those. <laughs> Yeah, we all are, yeah. motherfucker. I didn't know we had to declare it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the problem, is there are these things that we are universally against. I didn't know we had to declare it. I have never openly said until right now, and I hope everybody forgives me, that I am against cancer. 
I hope up until now, <laughs> nobody thought I was pro-cancer. Come the fuck on, people. Like, you don't have to say you're openly against stuff like that randomly to try to justify your position when it's out of nowhere. You can't sit there and say, well, you think Black Lives Matter, but I think child sex rings are bad. I'm better than you. No, motherfucker, they're not mutually, like, inclusive. I can think right. both. I can think Black Lives Matter and child sex rings are bad. And I also don't feel the need to declare that because I just thought that that was the universal stance America had on child sex rings. <laughs> like, I understand they exist, right. but I, it, at, at no point in America, every second of the day, there is somebody in law enforcement or the FBI and our government that is working on taking down a child sex ring at all times. Every second of every day, there is somebody actively working to stop child sex trafficking. What does Black Lives Matter have to do with that? Nothing. Yeah. What does nothing. anything have and to do with person, it? And that person, and you saying that, back to that concept of feeling like you're losing something. I want to say that later in that conversation, that person kind of went on to say, well, where's the focus on that? You know, we're, we're yep. focusing, you're, we're focusing on this. And I just feel like this is something that really requires our attention. And it's back to that concept of think you're losing something. We are not losing the fight over sex trafficking by supporting black lives. Right. <laughs> we're not it's losing not a relation that. at all. Yeah, the there's no relation, but that feeling that you're losing something, it just goes back to that. Oh, we we're focused on this, which I'm not I don't understand. Like we talked about, we're focused on this. You're focused on this Black Lives things that I don't understand. And instead of going, well, I don't understand that. Let me dive deeper. Let me ask questions. Let me try to understand this. Let, let me just bring in something unrelated that I kind of do have a better understanding of and say, well, look, man, you're losing sight of this because you're trying to talk about black lives. And again, it's back to that loot thinking you're losing something. Well, the also part of the problem with that is, is in some instances, certain organizations and companies and things like that have made it toward to get something. You have to lose something. That's one reason why. Because as, you know, with giving, with deregulating stuff and trickle-down economics and all this other stuff, a lot of our lives has become that, though, to where to get something, you have to lose something, you know, with union uh, uh, bargaining and stuff like that for jobs. Like, typically, to get a raise in your next contract, you have to take more responsibility. It can't just be given to you because... The industry is making more money. There's more profits, anything like that. You always have to have to give. You have, you know, you have to give something to get something. That has been so stuck in our minds for so long. And unfortunately, there are organizations out there that are making some of these things that people want for progress come down to choices. When a lot of people were talking about defunding the police in L.A. County, what did the L.A. County Police Department say? Oh, well, you just defunded us and cut our budget. So I guess now we're not going to do all these rape kits anymore. I hope you're happy that all these rapists aren't going to get prosecuted now. And so what did a lot of people do? They're like, holy shit, if you defund police, rapists and murderers are just going to run free now. Not really realizing that the L.A. Police Department has full discretion to <laughs> take the money that they lost from somewhere else. 
no, no, no. They intentionally took that from that part of it mm-hmm. to make it a problem. It didn't have yeah. to be. That wasn't the choice. They made it that. Because honestly, they don't give a fuck about the rapists and murderers going free if it means that they don't have as much money to do all their other bullshit. They made it a give and take. Didn't have to be, but they made it one. And and unfortunately, a lot of police unions and a lot of police departments are threatening that in places that are wanting to do that. When they're wanting to defund police, when they're wanting to like, you know, cut the police budget to increase the budget for something else to maybe help, you know, slow down crime in a different way. They're going, well, if you're cutting our budget, we're cutting rape tests. And that's literally, and that's one thing they're doing in a lot of places, because that is a lot of money. Rape tests are a lot of money. And it's a very important thing because, you know, people shouldn't want rapists running around. That's a bad thing. And they make it the choice you have to make. Well, if you want us to stop you know, buying military weapons and all this other stuff, we're still going to do it. We're just not catching rapists with it because you cut our budget. That's the problem is they're making the choice for us, making it sound like they didn't have a choice in what they did when they do. They have full discretion Mm -hmm. over their budgets within it. Now, the city council might decide how much money they get, but then they get to decide where the money goes. You know, it really comes down to it where, you know, your work decides your budget. Yes, they decide how much you get. You know, they pay you. So they decide how much money you get. Your work doesn't tell you, like, can't tell you, well, you have to spend this much on rent. Your work doesn't get to tell you that. They just get to give you the money. Then you make the budget. You know, it's the same principle. But they automatically did that. That really is like, well, if you go to your boss and you go, well, if you don't give me a raise, I can't eat anymore and I'm just going to stop working. That's not a good way to get a raise. <laughs> they're going to say no spend your money on food and not something else then is what they're going to say yeah but nobody's saying that to these organizations and that's the problem is and that's another reason why people do automatically think oh you're defunding the police you're increasing crime because cops are telling them that when it doesn't have yeah. to be that they're just being told that and instead of going hey la police department how about you don't be shitty and do that and do something else then they just go Oh, nope. I guess we were wrong by defunding. I mean, yeah. And it's just a that's another great example of just pushing that. Look, if we do this, we're going to lose something. And I feel like that that really is the crux of what this is. Anytime people feel like they're losing something, they just I mean, even like when you think about covid and the reason why so many people got angry because there were these ordinances coming down and why do I have to wear a mask? Why am I, you're taking my rights from me because I have to wear this mask. I have to close my establishment temporarily. I I have to do some of these things to not spread the disease. And there were people more concerned with the fact that they felt like they were losing something and not and undervaluing or not able to see the 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 result of helping the community helping to not spread the disease and stuff like that what took precedence is is that i'm losing some of my rights and again you had a bunch of people and a lot of civil unrest because of that well it's because a lot of people like to think that eating an outback is a right like, no, that's a luxury of the fucking country we live in. <laughs> not a fucking yeah. right. I mean, it's don't get me right. wrong. Yeah. 
who doesn't like a blooming onion every once in a while? Blooming onions are delicious. You know, I'm not trying to disparage Outback. I get it. You know, I haven't eaten in a restaurant since all this shit started. I get it. It sucks. I want to go sit down in a restaurant and fucking, you know, be like normal. We all do. But also, I don't want to accidentally kill someone. <laughs> like, that's my thing. <laughs> you know, I kind yeah. of fundamentally think that, you know, <laughs> if I have the right to live, maybe other people do too. Crazy. All right. You know, which is funny because I actually, the, uh, I am currently actually listening to the audiobook of the book Starship Troopers, what the movie was based on. And I can't get wait to get into those differences because holy fuck is this book different than the movie. This book was also written in 1959. But like in it, one of the, the, the teacher in it, when he's talking in their philosophy class, when somebody's like, well, what are the fundamental, like, what are, what are fundamental rights that everybody has? And somebody says, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And he's like, and he was like baiting somebody into it because he's like, well, what really do we have is considered like a right to life? You know, if you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and drowning, do you really necessarily have an inalienable right to life versus the ocean? No, you don't. Like, so the idea that we have the right to life is kind of subjective. And I just thought that was very interesting because apparently so many people think that even though they love saying that. Like, they love saying, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, fuck your life, though. I just meant my life, not your life. You don't have those inalienable rights I do. Like, that's <laughs> the mentality they have, you know? And it's one of those things that, like, I don't, I, I don't want people to lose their livelihoods. I don't want people to lose their businesses. I think yeah. if there's ways to adapt, if there's ways to accommodate both, we should try it. But, like, holy fuck, like, these people that freak the fuck out about having to wear a mask in a Walmart is blowing my damn mind. Like, yeah, if you want to have these things and you want these things to be open and you want to be able to accommodate the economy still staying alive whilst also fighting this pandemic, just do the little things like wearing a fucking mask in a Walmart. Just do it. It's not that hard. Do it every time. Yeah, just like a, a small price to pay, I guess, for being able to be back to normal. <laughs> but people look at it very differently. Yeah. Like, and I hate to generalize. But it really is, and I mean this with all the niceness I can muster, it's all baby boomers' fault. It really is. It's all the boomers. And <laughs> it's funny because, like, they're the children of the greatest generation, quote unquote. You know, the ones that fought in World War II, the ones that sacrificed to beat the Nazis. These motherfuckers won't even sacrifice a little bit to beat a fucking disease. <laughs> and they want to act like our Man. generation is a bunch of fucking, like, weaklings and shit. That we don't know sacrifice or any of this other shit. Motherfucker, you won't wear a mask to stop this shit. And you want to sit there and compare yourself to your parents' generation that stopped eating certain meals every week to make sure soldiers had enough. To make sure that we had everything we had to beat the Nazis. That's actual sacrifice. Wearing a mask is an inconvenience at most. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like... Honestly, that generation, honestly, to me, is like the one that like blows my mind. Because like I said, their parents actually sacrificed for World War II and World War I and all that shit. And now they look at us trying to do our part to get past this shit. And they act like we're weak for sacrificing for the greater good. When that used to be the most American fucking thing you could do is sacrifice yeah, for the man. greater good. 
Yeah. And now sacrificing, you know, having a fucking mouth that faces the world for fucking 15 minutes or whatever is too much to ask. Like, get the fuck over yourselves. It makes me mad. <laughs> Hell yeah, I like that. That was good, man. I can't follow that. Good. <laughs> I mean, it, it just it boils down to like a lot of this stuff. Like when you look at what happened to Capitol a few weeks ago and everything like that, like a lot of that was fueled once again by conspiracy theories with stuff because it was easier to accept those things than it was to accept reality for a lot of these people, you know, um, because a lot of these people don't have basic understandings of our constitution. They don't have basic understandings of our legal system. They don't have basic understandings of our system of government as a whole. And they're relying too much on other people telling them what it is. And that does directly go back to QAnon because like the official QAnon, like handle on a lot of things would throw out their stuff like, oh, well, yeah, Biden won the election and this and that, but Mike Pence can overturn it whenever he counts the electoral votes and he can do this and that. And that's where we're really going to win, even though that's a ceremonial thing. And constitutionally, he can't actually do that. But they were told that he could and they believed it because it goes back into the greater plan that Donald Trump had to stop these devil worshiping pedophiles. That was a part of the plan and it didn't. Just like, you know, losing all these court cases so that it could go to the Supreme Court. And then we'd win at the Supreme Court because Trump put three of those justices in and it was a conservative majority. And then Trump would still be president because the Supreme Court would say so, even though the Supreme Court can't do that either. But they were they thought they could because they were mixing up things like because they were thinking, oh, because that's how George Bush got into office. No, George Bush got into office when the Supreme Court said Florida can stop a recount. And therefore, Florida went to Bush. Whether or not that was right or wrong, ultimately it came down to that was something the Supreme Court could do, so it is what it is. You know what the Supreme Court can't do? Just say the election results are wrong. And what did the Supreme Court do yeah. that was completely stacked in Donald Trump's favor? They said, nah, bro, can't do that shit. You know, And that goes <laughs> back to the, a big problem is the fact that QAnon would throw these theories out. And this is the other big secret about QAnon. Not a single one of his big theories has ever come true. Ever. Ever. Every little thing that he said was going to happen hasn't come true. Donald Trump was just going to win the election outright. Popular vote, electoral college, everything. Didn't happen. Donald Trump was going to expose the Democrats and all this other stuff. Never happened. He was going to do this. He was going to overturn this. He was going to do this, that, this, that. Uh was going to still win the election. This was still going to arrest everybody was going to insurrect martial law and still be president. Anyway, all these things that the, the QAnon stuff said never happened. And that is the craziest thing about all of it is it took today, the day of the inauguration for a lot of the people to finally lose faith in it. And not everybody has, there are people that still think that the plan is still a go and they've even now changed the theory that Joe Biden is secretly now in on it. Joe Biden is a secret tool that has flipped from the deep state to the pro-Trump side to save his own ass and that he's actually going <laughs> to relinquish the presidency to Trump. And Trump, wow, and very, very distinctly, now remember this date, very distinctly that Trump will be president by March 4th. Why? No mm. idea. 
but a March Republican 4th. wolf yeah. in the Democratic fold. Yeah, because they're saying that he's actually realized that he was going to be the fall guy for the deep state and the deep state was going to throw him under the bus to save their ass and hide themselves more. And so instead of being that, he's going to use that. Uh, he's going to use all the knowledge he has to expose the deep state to help Donald Trump and that Donald Trump's going to give him and his son Hunter, who both should have been arrested already, but they haven't been because of the deep state, uh, full pardons so that they'll be okay, but all the rest of the deep state will go down because that's a lot easier to accept that than, uh, you know, maybe just uh, most people didn't like Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, just tossing that out there. Yep. This, it sounds like a great book or like a great what if comic or something. It sounds like it would be or a movie. That's what that sounds like. Just a I mean, motherfucker, what it, if movie. It is a movie, dude. Like this is that shit that like, <laughs> honestly, you can't make up. But these people are like, fuck, man. I'll give them credit. They creative as fuck. They really know, are, man. You know, a lot of people, they, they like to mock people that support Trump. They like to mock their intelligence. And I do not think that is fair because regardless of anything, they are creative as fuck. And that is completely valid. And like, honestly, yeah, these people could be writers. They could write the, like, it's interesting shit. You can go on a deep dive. Dude, QAnon connects everything from now to just whenever you can think of, dude. Like, they've literally got stuff that they're correlating now to JFK and all that shit. Like, the JFK assassination was a part of the deep state that they're now trying to overturn now. They go as far as to say that JFK Jr. is still alive, and he's secretly been in hiding and supporting Donald Trump, and is going to come out and say he's alive to the rest of the world while they expose the deep state and that, you know, just proving all this other shit that the deep state tried to kill him, but they didn't like all the way to like 5G is connecting us and allowing the government to steal our brainwaves and all kinds of stuff or 5G is causing the coronavirus, all kinds of stuff. They all can connect it via QAnon and stuff like that. It is bonkers. And so and it's it's ironic as fuck, too, because for a very long time, a lot of the QAnon stuff was on 4chan and moved to 8chan and then like to another one like 8chan or something like that. I don't know. But either way, when it was on 8chan and stuff like that, do you know what 8chan also had a lot of child porn and message boards oh that allowed people to openly talk about pedophilia, which is really ironic oh, considering how much QAnon is against pedophilia. They had no problem man. whatsoever sharing a web, web service that openly had it. That's just food for thought. That maybe that should have been the first clue that it wasn't real. Just throwing that out there. It wasn't. They, they a lot of times will say that the reason behind that is because there was nowhere else that he could put the messages. Because QAnon supposedly is somebody with a Q clearance. Now, a Q clearance is somebody very, very high up in the government. And that's where QAnon gets its name from. But they have a Q clearance and that he is secretly very high in the government, works very closely with Donald Trump. And then that he's just giving these Q drops to people to let them know what the real plan is, you know, to stop all these things. That's the whole QAnon myth is that QAnon or Q technically is a guy high up in the government just feeding everybody information. And yet the only source that this high level government operative could find anywhere to work is 
message boards on the internet. Yeah. That's the only place the deep state couldn't stop him. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, geez. I mean, like I said, it just sounds like such a creative and fun story to write. Like, I would love to be at the writing table for whoever came up with this, because it sounds like it would be fun to create with these people, but then to put it out on the, but the part that I would kind of uh, leave on is the putting it out on the internet and causing uproars and people to do stupid things. But man, if you're just writing a story, man, sounds tight. Justin, let's be real. You're black. They're not going to let you at the table, dude. You're right. I hate to break, I hate (laughs) to break your heart with that, but I guess I'm not. Let's be real. Yeah, that's true. They'd I mean, be like, uh, what are you doing here? I want to just tie in one last Get thing out. real quick that we kind of talked about is that, and something that's also close to my heart. Um, do you remember back in school when you heard about the Salem witch trials and you remember like pretty much like everybody in your class was just like, man, that's crazy that something like that could ever happen. And now it's the same yep. shit. <laughs> yep. it is, like, man. The same people yep. that back then were like, man, that's how could that ever happen? And it was a fucking small ass town in Massachusetts and this shit happened. And now we've got a country doing that shit. We've got countries, countries. This shit goes worldwide. There's actually a huge Donald Trump and QAnon supporter uh, base in Brazil. There's a huge base of it in Germany. There's huge bases of it in the uh, United Kingdom, all over the world. And yeah. And somehow when we were all kids, we all universally understood that it was crazy that it happened in Salem. Yep. And we're fucking living through it again. And this is multiple times within our lifetime because Justin would have been, you would have been born towards the, you know, middle part, kind of middle, middle end of the satanic panic. I'm technically born yep. towards the end of the satanic panic. We've lived through parts. We've lived through the end of the comics code. Mm-hmm. We lived through the video game part of it. We've lived through, you know, like I said, with Magic the Gathering, for me, we lived through uh, the music part of it. We've lived through now QAnon with this shit. Terrorism with its people of Islamic descent. Yeah. And we Muslims. lived through so many versions of the same fucking witch hunt. <laughs> yeah, man. In our lifetimes. Yet within our lifetimes also, we learned about the Salem witch trials and thought that shit cray. It's not anymore, dude. Salem witch trial is probably one of the most understandable things I've ever known in my life because so much of our life has been dictated the same way. It's so true, man. And it's scary. Within our lifetimes, the phrase, it's 10 o'clock at night, do you know what your kids are doing? Has come into being. It's the same shit. Man, it is, isn't it? Golly, man. Wow. I mean, all it is is a fucking game of like, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it where you're like hiding the Jack Monte Cristo or something like that? Monte Carlo. That's it. All it is is just shifting where we're blaming everything now. It's just an ever shifting game of what we're blaming now and next. And this all goes back to 1982 and that shitty ass Tom Hanks movie, Mazes and Monsters. Full circle, motherfuckers. <laughs> nice. You guys got any final thoughts? Nope. Nah, man, I'm only left with scary ones, man. This is fascinating, but at the same time, very scary stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of shit out there 
to like even go further into this. Uh, you you'd mentioned the podcast I'd I'd shown you guys the behind the bastards. The specific episodes were on the Satanic Panic. Um, there's another podcast called uh, Q Clearance, which is more about QAnon and stuff like that. Uh, there was a uh, a CBC a Canadian Broadcasting Company podcast about the Satanic Panic, and more specifically that daycare center in Saskatchewan that had the whole ordeal and stuff like that. Uh, but they kind of delve into a few of the incidences in America too, including a preschool in, in Florida and stuff like that. Um, the, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out there on it. I mean, and be careful because going down a QAnon rabbit hole is very, very dangerous. And I'm not talking about like, Oh, like if you do it, you're going to get absorbed into it. I'm just saying you might accidentally spend hours doing it. If you're like trying to connect all the fucking oh, yeah. dots that they connect, like if you're just trying to fo follow the dots and like follow the little map they have and shit like that, it, it takes you places you never thought you'd go. I mean, like I said, it goes all the way back to like fucking JFK and shit like that and every major conspiracy you can think of. I mean, this shit really is like these motherfuckers are obsessed with X-Files, man. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love me some X-Files, but they seriously are taking that as fact like that there is like these eight people in the government that secret like i'm telling you some of these QAnons have tried to even go all the way back to like roswell and stuff like that because their logic is is that aliens crashed we took the alien and that a secret government cabal formed which now is the deep state and they became friends with the aliens and so now they're using alien technology to influence people and all this other stuff and that also, they are in cahoots with the aliens to help the aliens then take over the world later on and all this shit. And the sad thing is, that's actually a plot line in X-Files. <laughs> but that is also something, and I'm not saying everybody that believes in QAnon stuff believes that. I'm just saying that there are people that believe in QAnon stuff that also believe that. And as that is a part of it. And that is literally a plot line from the X-Files to a T. Like, I have seen it. I have seen David Duchovny investigated. <laughs> and it is fact to these people. Because, you know, the truth is out there. So that's what they have to Sadly, think yeah, is that's, true. A, that's a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know you bit that book like as a joke, tie, like tie into that. But yeah. no, it's true. That's the sad thing. And I get it. Our government has done some shady ass shit. But fuck. Let's just take a breath, people. All right. If I'm done, if you guys are done. Yeah, I'm done. Yep, done. And on that note, fuck mazes and monsters. And you can find us on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Uh, Facebook, we are Cinema Slayers Podcast. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, we are Cinema underscore Slayers. Also, because uh, I didn't say it earlier, because I was trying to be witty and shit. Fucked it up a little bit. Uh, thank you for listening to our crazy ass rant about a very shitty ass movie and then a bunch of other shit but it is a little different shit but we try to tie it into as much popular culture and all this other stuff that you guys typically listen to us ramble on about anyway so i hope you guys enjoy this episode let us know what you think give us a rating and review um remember according to Justin moon Knight is the best picture winner <clears throat> Christian Crusades. Uh, yep, we talked about the Salem witch hunts. 
the war on drugs. That can be tied into it. The, yep. Mass incarceration. The war on terror. Yep. Shit, the entire Cold do, War? Yep. That the Cold War. It. Yep. Those hidden commies everywhere. Oh, funny where that came back, too. Remember in elementary school, or not, I guess not elementary school, but junior high and high school when you heard the story of McCarthyism and how you're like, man, that shit's crazy that they did that to Americans? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And they're literally doing the exact same thing now, using the same words. Mm -hmm. Commies. Just everywhere. They're just <laughs> secret commies everywhere. Man, yep. history does repeat itself, dude. Mm -hmm. And we learned about it. Typically, they're like, you have to learn history or you're destined to repeat it. Motherfucker, we learned all this shit. <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem with learning about something and not learning from something. Oh, Justin, bringing that knowledge at the end of the episode, being all philosophical and shit. I'm a little intoxicated. I drink a lot of Jack Daniels while we did this. 